Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Oh boy. <laughs> It's going to be an interesting day today. Sorry, just doing a last-minute text here. Uh, the show, it, it's, it's, it's like a continuum. Uh, we kind of flow from one show into the next show, and it's just there's, there's always something going on 24-7. Uh, even when I'm sleeping, I'm thinking of Action Radio because it's just so much to do. This is fun. Anyway, today's one of those milestone days. Oh, let me see. I'm, ugh, I've got to rearrange my – I've got to keep my – I forgot to charge my phone. <laughs> so the phone's charging up now, and i got notes. I've got to rearrange everything here, so I'm just kind of throwing some stuff around the desk. Um, it's going to be a very interesting day. And so the first hour, it's just you and me. And uh, so we get to chat. We get to have some fun. We get to cover a bunch of news. The, the second hour is going to be, I think, uh, an action radio milestone. At least that's what I'm hoping. And so if all goes well, Chad Moore will be able to call in. I'll get him and we'll get to chat about uh, his book, Tucker, but also some possibilities beyond that. And obviously, you know me, I want to promote the show and do things that have never been done before. And to do that, we need people with a lot bigger voice than we have. And of course, Tucker Carlson has the biggest voice uh, in the country, possibly the world right now, in terms of media. And so if we can interest or if I can interest uh, Chadwick Moore in in possibly covering us and getting a message to Tucker that uh, what I really want to do is uh, be on his show and write a bill on the air. He would actually write the bill, Tucker would, and then we can navigate it and send it directly to Congress and show exactly how Action Radio works. That's the, that's the purpose. That's, that's really you know, why I want him on. Uh, and so fortunately, I have folks that uh, are helping us and are able to, to put someone like Chadwick Moore on the show. I mean, I just saw him the other day on, on The War Room with Steve Bannon. And so Steve, uh, as much as I admire what he does, he's still in what I call the complaining class. Oh, what are we going to do? Oh, the world's a terrible place. Oh, we've got to fix this. Oh, what are, you know, how can we do that? Look, dudes, you know, Steve and, and Mike Lindell, we know exactly what to do here. We've already got it figured out. We know how to write the legislation. We know how to get it to uh, uh, Congress and media. We know how to, uh, we know that all we really need is just millions of people sending bill links in and that these bills will take a life of their own on. And the media will cover them and the pollsters will cover them. Everybody's going to cover them, especially if someone like Tucker Carlson says, wait a minute, I've got a solution here. You know, and what it comes down to is something called conservative news advocates. And so the other thing I want to encourage um, Chad, Chad Wake to, uh, to talk about and think about is the idea that, that journalism basically died when the Democrat leftist propaganda machine co-opted the media and then became a single entity, you know, a single fascist entity uh, of corporate and government you know, information control. And so the idea of journalism, of objecting, of objective, let me start again, objective reporting uh, is gone as a concept. It's obsolete. It's as obsolete as, uh, you know, blacksmith making, uh, you know, shoes for horses so you can uh, ride down the street. You know, listen, nothing against, you know, Candace, cowgirl Candace, who does a horse report uh, here, but that's different. We're not talking about basic transportation for everybody. We all drive cars now. Okay. So the world has changed. um, And so the world has changed journalism just as much. So an objective journalist is about as useful as a horse and carriage, you know, major city. It's obsolete. It doesn't exist. It, It is gone as a concept. So because it's gone as a concept, you know, there's no reason not to move on to something better. And the something better is a conservative news advocate. So whereas the leftist journalists have become propagandists and basically uh, enforcement arms of, uh, 
um, of the deep state of the government, you know, in terms of COVID, in terms of uh, stealing the election, in terms of everything that they do. You know, that, that's what the, the job of the leftist media is to be the enforcers, to be the information enforcers. Also, the tyrannical totalitarian government can do what they want and nobody's going to object. No other voices get heard. Nothing else happens. You know, it's everything's a danger to democracy. That represents a danger to democracy. You've probably seen the quotes where everybody says the same thing all across the country. You know, all the, uh, the reporters get in like a, you know, a 64 screen block and they all said exactly in the same cadence that represents a danger to democracy. Okay, they all do it. It's, it's hysterical, really. Um, so the brain chip must be working. Anyway, so the idea of, of an objective journalist in, in, in the face of a propagandist, you know, government, uh, private entity machine is, is ridiculous. You know, it's like going up against the mechanized army with a, with a slingshot. Yeah, work for David. <laughs> okay, it doesn't, it, it doesn't work as well today. You know, look at the Ukraine army. You know, with obsolete weapons and tactics going up against a, a force. I was listening to uh, Doug McGregor's piece. The Russians have satellites. Uh, they, they can even lock in on the tanks and artillery. You know, they know where they are. And they just uh, send in missiles and uh, artillery shells and destroy them. You know, the, the soldiers, you know, the, the soldiers up at the front, well, you know where they are. They have heat signatures. Well, those are readable from space, especially uh, the tank engines, which get really hot. And so hot tank engines, especially our M1 Abrams turbine tank engines, it gets really hot, right? So you can see them from space. So you just get the coordinates on GPS, you send in artillery, and they're, you know, once they, uh, they lock on, they're, they're gone in about five minutes. You know, it, it doesn't take that long. Once you locate, from locating to destruction, it's about five minutes. And so with that kind of precision, the idea that Ukraine can, can beat, you know, Russia into submission is laughable. It always was. But that's what the propaganda machine is trying to tell you, so they can send hundreds of billions of dollars more, so they can that money can be recirculated back through the Democrat money laundering operation and end up in uh, various people's pockets. That's what Ukraine's all about. Ukraine is about re- re- redirecting American tax dollars into uh, the wealthiest corporate government uh, apparatchiks. That's what it's about. You know. Anyway, um, so so the idea of, of Tucker and, and Chadwick becoming conservative news advocates where they present uh, a, a story, you know, in as, de- as much detail as they can, as accurate as they can to traditional journalist role. But then they go one step further and they present a solution. So conservative news advocate presents a solution. So in other words, the problem of uh, my favorite one, of course, being our constitutional amendment to take away the power of Congress to borrow money. So a, a conservative news advocate will report the national debt is growing. Congress doesn't want to do anything about it. It's $32 trillion. The interest on the national debt is, is uh, approaching or will be larger than our entire defense budget uh, very soon. It's just uh, wasted money. It's terrible. What are we going to do? Causing inflation, all kinds of other problems. That's where a typical report would end. Now, if you're going to be a conservative news advocate, all right, what you do is you say all the same things, but then you say, well, one solution is you know, from the Action Radio Citizen Legislature, a, a constitutional amendment to take away the power of Congress to borrow money. Such an amendment would eliminate inflation. The national debt would be paid down naturally as the Treasury bills uh, and bonds mature, something that has to be paid off anyway. The interest would lower, the national debt would lower, and in about 30, 40 years, the national debt would be eliminated. And because there's a constitutional amendment that has changed that Congress can never borrow money, that problem is never going to come back uh, unless the Constitution's amended again. So you know, that's how, a, that's how a, uh, um, a conservative news advocate would report the story. So they would give the problem, and then when they would give a solution. It doesn't have to be just us. I mean, I happen to think of us because that's what I do here. But it can be anybody. It can be the any number of different solutions. It could be different candidates. It could be all kinds of things. 
Speaking of candidates, uh, the GOP goobers met last night for a debate. I haven't even seen it. I watched Tucker and, and, uh, and Trump. <laughs> it was the best show in town. Why, why would I watch the goobers? Okay, so, so who are the GOP goobers? The goobers is my new expression for the globalist deep state uh, operatives. But it, I got tired of saying globalist deep, deep state operatives. Let's call them goobers. All right. So when I refer to the GOP goobers, that would be everybody who's not Trump who's running. Uh, and the most dangerous, of course, is Vivek Obama Swampy. And I have, a, I have friends of mine, you know, they're posting on Facebook. He sounds really good. Well, Obama sounded really good, too, until he started, you know, being a traitor, <laughs> until he started, you know, subverting the Constitution, until he started uh, bringing about, you know, fundamental transformation. Well, we don't want to fundamentally transform. Okay, we've got a constitution. You know, we, our spirit of our country is the Declaration of Independence. It's not law, by the way. Uh, it was law to Britain, you know, when we declared our independence. So in that sense, it was law, but it's, it's not, it's not te- technically law today. But the Constitution and the Bill of Rights are law. Okay? And so, uh, you know, um, these guys have no relationship to it whatsoever. It's really kind of funny. Anyway, I think I got off on a little bit of a tangent there. Um, but back to uh, Swampy. Yeah, Swampy's something else. And so, uh, oh, yeah, a friend of mine was, was writing about him. He sound, like I said, he sounds really good. Oh, that's how I got to it from Obama. So Obama sounded really good, too. You know, and then money went to the Muslim Brotherhood. <laughs> you know, all these horrible things happened. And uh, uh, the regulatory agencies went nuts. And, uh, and remember the slums from Obama, too. I mean, there's so many problems with what he did. Opening the borders, you know, bringing in mass illegals, uh, just uh, everything he could to, to be a, a good Marxist and destroy our country. You know, creating race wars, resegregating the country, all the things that Obama did. Hope and change. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the, the only change I wanted was for him to be unelected or impeached or removed or, uh, you know, find, a, um, find something to impeach and, and get him out of office. That's what I was hoping. Didn't happen, though, because Republicans uh, have no gonads, except the women. <laughs> and they, you know, but uh, the, the, the Republican men are women and the Republican women are men in the traditional sense of the word, you know, it's just like the, uh, the, you know, I call them the gelding old party for a reason. Uh, gelding is a castrated horse. Okay. That's what a gelding is. So it's the perfect metaphor, you know, grand old party, no gelding old party. Um, so they have nothing to recommend them whatsoever. And so they're gutless. They, they have, there's no, that's how I wrote that article on Substack. We went over it yesterday on, on uh, Bonnie's report, all the things that will be required for me to vote Republican uh, in 2024. And the very first one was a house select committee on the stolen election. I mean, that, would, that should have been day one. That should have been January 21st, you know, of 2021, you know, when, uh, when the, the new uh, session started. All right. Well, it's two years ago. Hello? <laughs> you know, where you been? <laughs> you know, you, you, I think they, uh, they got the House majority in 2020. Um, and, uh, and then what happened? Or was it 2022? I think they got it in 2022. I, I'm losing track. Anyway, it's 2023 now. So they've had a bunch of time. Um, to take care of this, and they haven't done a thing. So uh, what's the point? Why vote for him? So again, so I didn't even see it, but uh, they all said uh, Obama Swampy sounded really good, and he should sound really good. He's basically repeating everything Trump said three years ago. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's why he sounds good, okay? He's repeating. He's, it's, it's like how a narcissist works, right? You've ever heard of, uh, it's not gaslighting, it's mirroring. Is it, they call it mirroring? Uh, there's a bunch of things. I, I have a lot of experience with narcissists, you know, starting from when I was born uh, into such a family. So what, what narcissists do is they mirror. They basically sound like you. They repeat what you say back to uh, you. So you think they agree with you and they sound as intelligent as you, but it's not really true. They're just repeating back what you said in a slightly different form. Um, and so that's how it works. So that's what Swampy's doing. So Swampy's doing a mirroring. And so mirroring, it is a tactic that narcissists use. Uh, I guess you can classify him as a political narcissist. So what he's doing is he's repeating back everything Trump said, and that's why he sounds so good. 
Okay. You know, he's had time to practice. I mean, the guy spent three years in Yale getting a law degree that he's never used. All right. I, I can't see any place he's practiced law. When I did a patent search on him, the only patent, uh, the only uh, invention I could find was some traffic management system where he's like fourth, you know, on the list of patent holders. So obviously he didn't invent it. He's just on, on the list probably because they had to put something down for him. You know, how else do you justify $630 million when you've never invented anything or produced anything? Kind of interesting, huh? Yeah, you know, guy's almost a billionaire. And he's never produced anything. He's managed companies. Uh, he's managed financial companies. And he's managed, um, uh, you know, biotech companies. Never used a law degree. <laughs> you know, uh, never practiced law that I can see. Never been in court. Never, uh, you know, not trial lawyer, not a corporate lawyer, not even a public interest lawyer. He's, he's just there. So Yale, I figure, was his training ground. And so Yale's where they groomed him to be the next Obama you know, in the Trump administration. So he's running for vice president. He's running to do what Mike Pence did, which is sabotage at every possible opportunity. Uh, the, the, the second, which is actually the third Trump administration. So the second one got stolen. So Trump's been president three times. You know, once in 2016, where he got the office, once in 2020, where the office was stolen, and hopefully uh, back in 2024, where he gets his office back. So he'll be the first president to serve two terms three times. <laughs> it's going to be really interesting uh, to see how that works. But anyway, that's what's going on. And so Obama Swampy, that's what I call him, because he reminds me very much of Obama. Now, I'm not the only one. Now, the, initially, this came, I, I thought badly of him, but I hadn't really formed an opinion yet. Then I read something by J.D. Rucker. And it's like, J.D. Rucker had this kind of feeling, there's something wrong with this guy. And so I read his article, and yeah, there really is. And so Rucker was, I always like to give credit, right? So Rucker was first, uh, even though I, you know, I was already thinking that something was wrong, which is why I pulled the article and read it. And then uh, read that on the air, because he, he found things wrong. I, I could probably drag that out again. But then I looked into things, the fact that he hasn't invented or, or patented or, or created anything. You know, Yale's got all his money. He, he went to Yale Law School after already successfully being CEO of, uh, of a biotech company. Why would you do that? Why would you, take, why would you suddenly go to law school for three years, all right? Uh, and then, you know, uh, and then never use it, all right? So he obviously didn't have student loans because he's got $630 million. He could afford the law degree. But the question is, what was he really doing there? I don't know. You know, he doesn't brag about it. I don't think he's released his, his academic records. That'd be something to find out, you know, and, uh, and another interesting, there's so many interesting things about him. He came out of nowhere, right? No, he didn't. He was groomed a long time ago. So apparently he was on this World Economic Forum Young Leaders Program. He was selected for the Young Leaders Program. What is the Young Leaders Program? Well, we call it Communist Boot Camp. That's where young leaders learn how to be dictators. You know, you take a, uh, take a, a liberal idealistic person and you turn him into a dictator. Jacinda Ardern. You know, the dictator at New Zealand, she went to uh, communist boot camp. Justin Trudeau went to communist boot camp. You know, they wanted uh, Vivek Ramaswamy to go to communist boot camp. Now, he says, I never wanted to do that, I you know, and uh, I, I sued them to have uh, my name removed from their roster of, the, of selections for the Young Leaders Program. My question is, how did they find him in the first place? He's never answered that. How did they find him? Of all the people in this country in their 30s who were successful, how did they pick him for the Young Leaders Program? Well, because he's obviously a Marxist. Okay, They picked him because he's one of them. They don't pick people who, people who aren't one of them. Macron from France is another one who went there uh, to a communist boot camp. But you look at the most Marxist leaders of the world, and they all went to communist boot camp at the World Economic Forum. So the fact that Obama Swamy knew that if he ever went there, he'd never get the Republican nomination. You know, why doesn't he run as a Democrat? I mean, at least he'd be honest. You know, that would make sense. He'd probably do pretty well as a Democrat with the Democrats, you know, because then he'd have to, then he'd completely lie and change his positions and start sounding like a Democrat. Like, he now sounds like a Republican when he's really not. 
He's a plant. He's a George Soros plant. Uh, you can't tell me that the uh, that the World Economic Forum isn't still in touch with him, that he isn't still working with or for them. You can't tell me that because I don't believe it. All right. So what else we got today? Um, the um, the debate last night. The most interesting part. Well, not debate last night. The uh, the Trump the Trump discussion. Now, what I'm hoping to do, I'm going to talk to Chabrick about this when he comes on. What I'm hoping is that um, the next discussion with uh, Tucker Carlson is both Trump and Robert Kennedy. Okay, in fact, that's what I propose for this one. So I'm going to put that to Chabrick also. So wouldn't it be great if Tucker could have both Kennedy and Trump, you know, at a desk just talking, talking like uh, like serious men, talking about issues, not uh, not the politics, not the gotcha, not the not the childish stuff that goes on at the Goober debates. And the Democrat debates, if they had them, you know, the traditional, this is what you get in politics. You get 20 Republicans beating each other up. They pick a moderate to save the day. The moderate loses to the Democrat. That's the deep state model. Uh, and that's what keeps Republicans uh, thinking, oh, we'll get them next time. N- no, you won't, because the plan's already set. You're never going to get them. You know, as far as the, uh, the deep state's concerned, the president will always be a Democrat. I mean, that's just how it works, right? So, so Trump was an aberration. So was Reagan. So every once in a while, a good person gets through. And Trump is a whole lot better than Reagan. Reagan talked a lot, but he didn't do a lot. Um, sounded good. I mean, it really did sound good. I mean, I love that speech at the, the Berlin Wall. Ich bin ein Berliner. No, sorry, that was Kennedy. <laughs> you know, but I, I love the speech. You know, Mr. Gorbachev, open this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Oh, that's brilliant. Loved it. It was great. You know, I wish Trump had uh, done the same thing for Hong Kong. Xi Jinping, let Hong Kong be Hong Kong. I did about five shows on that. I never got through, but that's okay. We do our best. So last night, about 35 minutes in, when uh, Trump was talking to Tucker, and Tucker was really good. He asked very direct questions. Like, do you think the CIA is going to kill you? <laughs> he actually said that. You know, give him what, and it was a serious question, and Trump took it seriously. I love that. This is what I love about Tucker. He just says, just, just ask the question. You know, do you think they're going to kill you? And he's, well, it's possible. Trump's like, well, yeah, it's a possibility. <laughs> you know, he's, do you think Epstein was murdered? Yeah, it's possible too. <laughs> you know, so all these wonderful direct questions, but the big one, and I don't know if uh, if Tucker brought it. I have to listen to it again. Whether Tucker actually brought this up, or whether he just, um, uh, whether Trump brought it up himself. But Trump knows. I know. I brought it up with Christina Bob twice now. Everybody knows that the key coup d'état are the Trump electors in the battleground states, and there's seven states. Arizona, New Mexico, Nevada, Michigan, Wisconsin, Georgia, and Pennsylvania. Those are the battleground states. Now, some of those states, I think four of them, have both Republican governors and Republican state legislatures. So the four states that have Republican state legislatures could easily revoke their Brandon electors and certify the Trump electors, and the election would be corrected. Okay? We're not trying to reverse the election. We're not trying to overthrow the results. We're not trying to overthrow the election. We simply need to correct it because Trump won. Okay, let's put this in correct language. It's like all those people that are in this country that were illegal aliens, uh, you know, gave birth to people on American dirt. Those are not American citizens where foreign tourists came in or people came in or even, uh, you know, anybody who came into this country for any reason and gave birth to a, a baby on American dirt does not make that baby a citizen. 14th Amendment is very clear. You have to be subject to our jurisdiction through citizenship. Only American parents and uh, um, I'm, I believe, I'm pretty sure, you know, permanent residents you know, born in American soil, can give birth to Americans. All right? Citizenship is transferred from parents. It's not transferred by being on American dirt. <laughs> That's just not how it works, right? 14th Amendment says so. It's subject to the jurisdiction. That's what that clause is all about, right? So we need to correct 
the the uh, mistakenly um, listed citizenship for millions of people that are actually not citizens. So we need to correct that in the computers and give them some kind of new status. Permanent resident. Let's start with permanent resident, and we'll go from there. And if they're if they have deportable offenses under the permanent resident rules, well, you know, there you go. Um, but uh, that needs to be changed. So we cannot encourage this kind of thing. We have to discourage it by correcting the citizenship of millions of people. That's something I talk about. I'd love to talk about that. That'd be fun. All right. Um, let me do a little little uh, check here. All right, I'm just checking to see because I don't since I don't have anybody online right now. I don't you know it's it's, it's one of these situations. I'm not sure I'm broadcasting because I never hear when I hear myself I start worrying. And Marcos and I'm on the line, so I don't have any confirmation that all is going well. I'm assuming all is going well. I'm, I haven't muted myself. You know, everything's live. So, uh, yep, so we're doing fine. Okay, um, let's do an information break real quick. I'll come back with some articles. But, uh, oh, no, let me explain. Just, all right, let me finish explaining the battleground states. So the battleground states, the seven states that I mentioned, have Trump electors and Brandon electors. The Trump electors were put forward by the state legislatures. The Brandon electors were put forward by the Democrat governors and secretaries of state. Those electors are illegal because the state legislatures are controlling under the Constitution. So Trump said that he told Mike Pence that he should, he could and should send those dual slates of electors back to the battleground states. Now, here's where Mike Pence, you know, basically violated the Constitution, screwed up the election and proved that he was part of the coup d'etat to overthrow Trump. Okay. What he said was, no, I can't do that. I can't send the electors back to the states. I can't do it. Of course, he could do it. In fact, not only could he do it, he had to do it because we got two slates of electors. Or the alternative was that Congress, you know, January 6th would meet and they would go over each state and review each state and, uh, and, and vote on which uh, slate of electors to take, either the Trump or the Brandon ones. Okay. That was supposed to happen. So two things happened. One, the coup did their first victory with Mike Pence by convincing him that he could be the Republican nominee, you know, if he simply sabotaged Trump and said that he could not send the electors back because everybody knew the Democrats, Republicans, deep state, the coup, everybody knew if he sent the electors back and the Trump electors came back from the states that Trump would be president. Everybody knew that. So they had to stop that. So how did they stop it? First way they stopped it, they said they convinced Mike Pence not to send them back. Trump said he could. Mike Pence said he couldn't. He's still saying he couldn't, even though everybody knows he could. And the proof that he could is what Trump said right after that. So Trump says, well, I said that he could do it. A lot of lawyers told me I, I could do it. A lot of lawyers told Mike Pence he couldn't. Well, those are deep state lawyers, obviously. And so what happened was after Mike Pence refused to send the, the uh, electors, the Trump electors and the Brandon electors back to the states where they had two sets, Congress passed a law of the Vote Counting Act. I forgot what it's called. Uh, that said that the vice president couldn't send the electors back to the states. Well, if they had to pass a law that he couldn't send them back, then obviously before they passed the law, he could send them back and should have sent them back and had to send them back. So we need to – I don't think that law is constitutional because the state legislature still control the electors. So that, well, the next thing to do is to get that law tossed out, either by Congress repealing it, which they should do, or the Supreme Court in an opinion saying that this law is unconstitutional, and then the Congress repeals it. Either way, it's got to be repealed. Now, remember, the, the Supreme Court cannot overrule – they do not have the power of judicial review to uh, make laws unconstitutional and revoke them. They can't do that. They can't because they don't have any legislative powers, right? All they have is the power of opinion. They say, hey, this law, we think this law is unconstitutional. Here's the case. You know, here's the situation. This is what we think. Okay, great. You know, and so uh, that's a really good incentive for Congress to, uh, 
um, to overturn that law. Because otherwise, the elections are going to get thrown out in the court and all kinds of other, you know, bad things are going to happen. You know, the court can rule on a case, but they can't, uh, they don't have the power of judicial review to either interpret or change the Constitution. They can't do it. All right. So that was the situation 35 minutes in. Trump uh, took a lot less time to explain it than I did. Tucker didn't pick up on it as much as he should, because that is the key to the coup. The key to the coup is making sure the Trump electors never see the light of day. Now they're trying to arrest him. So the first thing that happened after the election was they tried to convince the Trump electors to vote for Hillary. In fact, they're even death threats. You better vote for Hillary. Even though you're a Trump elector, don't do it. Vote for Hillary. Okay, that was back in 2016. Now, that was obviously uh, illegal. That's a, that's a death threat. You can't make that. <laughs> you know, you know, so uh, that threatening murder? Yeah. Okay, that, that's a problem. Uh, and a lot of people were doing that. So then in 2020, you know, when the, uh, the Trump electors and the, Demo- and the uh, Brandon electors, you know, came out of the same state, you know, uh, Brandon, excuse me, Mike Pence had the chance to send him back December 15th. That was when he should have done. December 15th, so the election was November 3rd. Uh, the election was stolen the night of November 3rd. Uh, Brandon, you know, was thought to be president and was reported to be president, even though Trump won the election back about 10 o'clock that night, night before. December 15th is when the electors were counted and they cast their votes for, for president. And that's when many states had two slates of electors. Mike Pence should have sent them back right then. January 6th. There was another chance to correct the election when the, um, the states were gone through one by one. And all it takes is one, uh, at least it used to take one senator or one member of the House to challenge and say, well, we've got to debate this. And then they go for debate for a couple hours. And then they come out and say, OK, we're going to take this slate of electors. But they didn't do that. Why? Because that's when, the, that's when the coup started. That's when the insurrection started. That's when Black Lives Matter, Antifa, FBI mercenaries and everybody else, you know, Walked into the Capitol with the doors open because the Capitol Hill police were in on it. So it was Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. But Pelosi ran the security. So she opened the doors, brought in the Trump supporters, made it look like a coup, uh, made it look like a, a violent insurrection, even though they're walking through a, with you know, cell phones going, oh, that's kind of cool here. Yeah, I like this. Uh, and then underneath, the real coup took place when the arms were twisted. And as Christina Bob says, you know, all the, uh, the senators and, and representatives were told, well, you don't want to be like that angry mob upstairs overthrowing the government. You've got to vote for Brandon. And, of course, that was a bit ridiculous. Um, but that's what they did. And then they all came up and voted for Brandon, even though a bunch of them, Kelly Leffler in particular from Georgia, I'm going to support the Trump electors, you know, or whatever she said. We're going to challenge this election. Great. Okay. You know, after seven hours, they, they, uh, whatever they did to her, you know, under the Capitol, she came, she came back up on top after the recess. That's what they call it in the, in the congressional record. You know, the, the, the publicly it's insurrection, but in Congress it's a recess. <laughs> the congressional record is what they call it, called a recess, right? And so this recess, you know, that's when the arms were twisted. That's when everybody who bravely walked in to challenge um, the, uh, the, the Brandon electors because states had Trump electors, that's what they basically told, shut the hell up. You know, go, go with the program. What's wrong with you? You know, and I, I think they were told. You won't get campaign funds. You're going to be primaried. You won't have your job. You won't have your perks. You won't have your money. You won't have all the things that you're used to, all the creature comforts you're used to. You lose your power, your prestige, your committee chair. You're going to lose everything unless you vote for Brandon. That's what I think happened. Maybe not quite so overtly as that, but that was the intention. And so uh, when they got back up after the recess, now the interesting thing, I'm going to photocopy the, uh, I'm going to make it to the congressional record. Because if you look at the congressional record for January 6, 2021, um, you will find that Congress recessed about one in the afternoon, came back about nine o'clock at night. Okay, that's, you know, that's what? Uh, six, that's eight hours. Well, what do they do for those eight hours? <laughs> you know, maybe it was two to eight. Let's say, let's say, uh, let's say six hours. Is that it? No, two to nine, two to eight. I think it's about two to eight. Anyway, so they were gone for six hours. 
What did they do? There's nothing in the congressional record. How can it be that Congress, both the House and the Senate, could meet in the same place under the Capitol for six hours, and there's absolutely nothing in the congressional record? Why? Because that's when the coup took place. It's pretty simple. You know, this is, this is all very obvious stuff. So if I, mean, we'll see it, I want to get Chadwick more back because I want to talk about that, too. I think the January 6th, I think hopefully when he listens to the podcast, the whole podcast, uh, he'll find it all quite interesting. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, so that's basically how it went. So the, the Tucker interview was fabulous. Uh, Tucker asked very direct questions of Trump. Trump gave very direct answers. It was refreshing to see these people were so straightforward, so honest, so just open about everything they were doing. Um, that uh, it was kind of a pleasure. All right, today's 824. Make a new note here in my uh, 824, uh, 23. I'm sorry, 93 for some reason. <laughs> back in the back in the wrong century. Sorry, I just. Ah. All right, it is now 728. 728. We'll take an info break. Uh, this will let you know how to contact us, and then I'll be back in a little bit with some articles for you. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call-in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Action Radio. Part of the ADHD Radio Network. The ultimate free speech zone. 
We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take, that is Action Radio. Okay, we are back. Um, got a bunch of stuff going on. I have several messages in the meantime. Uh, it, it's amazing the, the, the multitasking. You don't think you can, but you, you sort of get this innate sense of how to keep track of everything. Uh, it's really kind of wild. Anyway, I'm going to see if I – I've got a new technique for, for reading. I've been, I've been stumbling over some of my reading, especially when I, uh, when I have a, a new guest. And I'm just a tad nervous, which, which happens. You know, I get to get big – well, I get Trump on the show. Boy, I'm really going to be nervous then. Um, but I find that with my trifocals, I can't read unless I put the uh, the words low enough in the screen where I can actually uh, see them. So that's why I'm going to try and I'm – I'm modifying everything. But it, it's weird because you've got to balance just to let you know if anybody that wants to do a blog talk show. You've got the phone calls on the left. You've got the live chat in the middle. Uh, you've got your audio clips on the right. So you kind of arrange it so that you can read stuff uh, and still watch your phone calls. And uh, live chat, too, you've got your live chat. Although I don't see um, Marco today, so I'm not sure. I think he's probably out today. I think he's got a vacation coming up. So he might be – who knows? I'm starting this weekend early. Uh, it's Europe, you know, they take a lot of vacation time. All right. So uh, my favorite writer is JD Rucker and I've got to learn more about his show and things like that. I, I'd forgotten his bio, um, but I really like his stuff. He does the America first report on Substack. Now my latest Substack is on all the things that, uh, I, that are required of the Republican party, um, to, uh, to get my vote, uh, except for Trump. I'm, I'm voting for Trump anyway. Uh, the list is obviously impossible. I wrote it that way for a reason to show people what would be possible if we had a decent Republican party. And so that's how I made the list purposely impossible, knowing full well that they wouldn't comply with probably any of the things that I listed, um, which shows how useless they are. But the real, you know, I, I'm like three-dimensional chess, right? So the real object of that article on Substack um, is to show what could be done, to show what's possible, to show what people haven't even thought of, to show uh, if we had a Republican party, a good one, what it would look like. So it's really about, like everything else we do at Action Radio, we don't talk about what can happen. We, talk about, we, I mean, we don't talk about what has happened. We talk about what can happen. And what can happen is we can improve the Republican Party by simply not voting for them until they get their act together. So J.D. Rucker writes on August 23rd, the adversary is shifting strategies and we must do the same. Of course, we at Action Radio shifted stat- strategies years ago. <laughs> We're kind of ahead of the game here a bit. And this is from August 23rd. He says, as a conservative, from the, a traditional perspective, I am inherently adverse to change. Okay, that's very different than us here at Action Radio. That's for damn sure. He says, one can characterize my mindset as, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, especially as it pertains to and cultural strategies. I believe we have suffered in the past from too many people trying to reinvent what conservatism even is. Well, again, that's not a problem at Action Radio. We're not invent, reinventing conservatism. We're, we're, just, we're reinventing broadcasting. <laughs> we're reinventing citizen legislation. We're, we're not reinventing. We're inventing. So we're not trying to reinvent anything. We're actually inventing. And so that's a big difference between what, uh, what he's doing. He says things are very different today than they were just a year or two ago. The adversary is changing the way they do what they do. Rather than working strictly from the shadows, they're unleashing their plans in plain sight. It wasn't too long ago that they at least attempted to put some logic, skewed as it may have been, into their arguments. 
Today, they're relying on pure emotion, gaslighting, and an unhealthy level of cognitive dissonance. Uh, those words are usually misinterpreted, so I'm not going to go into the definitions now, but, but look them up. Most people don't know what those mean. All right. He says, this is why it's easier to get arrested for trying to stop a man from going into a girl's bathroom than actually being a man going into a girl's bathroom. That's very true. He says, before I describe why and how we need to adjust our strategies, it's important to understand what I mean by adversary. Adversary. There we go. It's easy for us to classify the bad guys as Democrats, leftists, globalists, deep state, uniparty, swamp, woke cultists, deep populists, or any of the dozen other labels. I think, I think we use all of those next in radio, actually. He says, uh, other labels. But unfortunately, we're fighting a multi-front battle with different enemies coming from various directions. It's not enough to say we need to, quote, own the libs or beat the dems. We have to view the adversary as witting or unwitting minions of a capital A advers- adversary. For the faithful, that adversary is Satan. For those of other faiths, that adversary might be labeled as the New World Order or something like that. Either way, it's the same bad guy with tentacles that spread across the battlefield. It's not just Democrats. There are Republicans in every level of government like Mitch McConnell and Mike Pence who pretend to think the 2020 election wasn't stolen. The code vaccines are great, and we haven't sent enough taxpayer dollars to Vladimir Zelensky or his corrupt officials. That would be Ukraine, just to let you know. He says it isn't just the leftists either. There are plenty of members of the, quote, conservative movement who are still America first patriots into watered down, milquetoast version of Fox News conservatism that accomplishes nothing other than strongly worded press releases and placing and placating press conferences. Don't we complain about that every day? You know, don't be, you know, I call it raising complaining to an art form. That's what conservatives do. That's what that's even what, what uh, you know, as much as I love, you know, Mike Lindell and, and Frank Speech, a lot of those folks are raising complaints in our form. They refuse to engage. They do great conferences, great events, uh, Reawaken America event, great event. You know, uh, Mike Lindell's big event, great event. You know, all these things that are happening all across, great events, conferences, love them, but they're not doing anything. They're not changing anything. They're not demanding anything. They're just getting the information out. Okay, well, we've already got the information. We had the information three years ago. You know, I just released, a, well, I didn't release, but I, I have been uh, sharing again a video I made when I was about 100 pounds overweight more than I am now. So things are getting better. Anyway, I'm getting healthier. Heart surgery, long story. You've heard it before. Um, but, but the point is that it was March 21st of 2020 when I made a video saying that everything the government is doing is unconstitutional, illegal, and they can't do it. I called Fauci a little dictator. It wasn't long after that I started calling him Dr. Fascist. The genocidal, psychopathic, avaricious, narcissistic, pathologically lying vaccine drug pusher. Yeah, that took practice. <laughs> you know, but that's who he is. It wasn't, uh, you know, it was only about a year, year maybe it's a year, year and a half ago, I started calling the GOP the gelding old party. I mean, we have our own language here. Everything here has its own language. You know, and, and my big saying, raising complaining to an art form. Or it's like January 6th is the Capitol Hill invitational walk-in. So, so the Republicans, the conservatives, the uh, most people out there are raising complaints to an art form. I can't tell you how many videos I get every day. You have to watch this. Somebody said something you said three years ago. Okay, that's nice. I don't care. So I send them my video of my show or, or a bill I wrote or someone else wrote and say, here, why don't you share this? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, good idea. You know, but we, actually, we have stuff that actually will make a difference. If you share a video of information you already know, what's the point of that? What, do you feel better hearing somebody else say what you already think? That's not going to change anything. You've got to change the way other people think. And the way you do that 
is that you get millions of people to send bill links of legislation to Congress that would put vaccine product liability back on, that would end big tech censorship, that would have a bill to uh, a constitutional amendment to take away the power of Congress to borrow money, uh, a complete disarmament bill of the federal bureaucracy giving all their guns and ammo back to Americans through the civilian marksmanship program, uh, a bill that reverses, that gets rid of judicial review, uh, that has a declaration for jurors of their ability to nullify cases. Um, we have bills that uh, would eliminate any withholding of your income until you've earned your standard deduction amount. You know, things like that, that's real change. Real fundamental change. Those, those five bills would change this country completely, especially the constitutional amendment. Take away the power of Congress to borrow money because it also removes the Fed and any central bank and any ability to print money to cover expenses or any ability of the government to, to own securities. So they're completely out of the private uh, equities, of the private uh, financial markets. They're out. They don't, they're not going to control interest rates anymore. The only, thing, the only entity that could control the money is Congress. You know, they could control how much is printed as long as they didn't print money to cover their own expenses. That would be unconstitutional. That would be a fundamental change. It would be guaranteed prosperity like you've never seen. That's why I want to get it to Trump. I think he could run his campaign on that one issue. Back to the article. <sighs> he says, it isn't just the lefties either. There are plenty of members of the conservative movement. I think I read that. Oh, wait a minute. Who are steering America first patriots in water. Okay, I said Fox News. Uh, he says, these people may not be uh, placating press conferences. Oh, that's enough. He says, these people may not be engaged in the direct evils against the people, but they're doing what they can to prevent real patriots from addressing those evils. Uh, that would be us. He says, these people may not be engaged in the direct evils against the people, but, they are do- but they're doing what they can to prevent real patriots from addressing those evils. That would be the censorship against us, that the, uh, the, the Republicans, the conservatives, the patriots are not uh, um, removing, getting rid of, passing our bill, or at least sharing our shows and bills. So the people that are raising complaining to an art form don't want to lose their ability to complain, fix things, and, and bring about freedom and prosperity at an unparalleled scale. I guess they think they'll be out of a job, or at least they'll be out of uh, their comfort zone, because their comfort zone is complaining. And they're really good at it. Nobody complains like a, like a Republican gelding uh, and not does anything about it. Anyway, he says, I could go down the list of adversaries answering to the adversary uh, and show how and <laughs> show how widespread they are, but that would be too depressing. I think my readers know what's arrayed against us, at least in part. So the important thing now is to acknowledge that we can and must overcome them before we lose our nation forever. That's why I started Action Radio. I got to talk to J.D. Rucker again. He says, we need a strategy shift. Oh, that's interesting. As noted above, I'm not a fan of making changes when things aren't broken, but it's clear that many things are broken in a way we're fighting uh, in the way we're fighting our adversaries. For example, elections are meaningless if they're corrupted. And right now we should have zero faith that the vote of the people will be reflected in the results. It wasn't just 2020. I tried for nearly a year to explain that many elections in 2022 were stolen in the same manner. In fact, their methods improved. That bodes ill for us because we can expect their methods to improve again in 2024. Yeah, the 2018 House was stolen from the Republicans. The Republicans won the House in 2018. Okay, they did. They won it. Uh, but then seven congressional seats of California Republicans were overturned after the election when Democrats trucked in boxes of uh, ballots. Oh, we found some more ballots. Got to count these. The polls have closed. Take them away. You just printed those. Those don't count. They didn't say that. You know, and they, in fact, they allowed the Democrats to steal the election, and that's when all the impeachments happened. Idiots, there's no reason for those impeachments. 
because the Republicans won the House, but they didn't, they didn't keep the House. So they'd rather win the House and then hand it to the Democrats than they would actually keep the House. It's quite fascinating. So I have no faith in the gelding old party. He says, but here's the thing. He says, I have a, I have a sneaking suspicion that they're not going to rely on ignorance and fear-mongering to bring about uh, the next full-blown lockdown. I am concerned that they're going to unleash something more substantial than past variants of COVID-19. I hope I'm wrong. It'll be much easier to fight medical tyranny when there's no scientific reason to lock anything down. But even if they do have something too big to unleash on us, I'm still going to fight medical tyranny. There's a huge difference between quarantining those who are truly sick and locking down those who are not. Yeah, haven't we said that before? That's what I said. My, that, that, that's the basis of my uh, 2020 March video, March of 2020. I said, you can't quarantine the healthy people, okay? Uh, you can only use due process against the obviously sick with visible symptoms. Can you quarantine a sick person? Yeah, you can, okay? Can you quarantine a healthy person? No, <laughs> it's impossible. Or they might be carrying the disease. Well, they might, they might not, who knows? But you can't spread a disease unless you're coughing and hacking. Unless you have symptoms of a disease, you can't spread it. Or they might be a carrier. Well, I mean, anybody could be a carrier of anything. I mean, how many people are walking around with cancer, STDs, heart disease, you know, various forms of flu, um, maybe latent Ebola viruses? I mean, I have no idea what people are carrying. Typhoid, cholera, TB, polio. Who knows what people have in them? Parasites, amoebas, <laughs> you know, flea bites, you know, all kinds of stuff. Malaria. I don't know. That's not the point. The point is, is a free country and a free individual. You know, everybody's got something and you can't quarantine healthy people. You can't. There's no way you can get due process to quarantine healthy people. Yeah, that's what they quarantine the whole country. Everything that happened was illegal in COVID. Um, now, as you know, if you look at any of our uh, slides, uh, the slides we have at Action Radio, uh, on, the, on, the, on every broadcast we do, there are slides. Hey, Marco's there. Great. Thanks, Marco. Glad you're here. Uh, this has been a great 45 minutes so far. So if you want to go back and check our podcast, hang on, Marco, because we've got Marco's in the Netherlands, by the way, for those that don't know, he's on live chat. Um, we've got. Uh, Chadwick Moore joining us in a little bit. He's the author of Tucker. That's going to be really fun. So uh, you want to hang out for that. I got some surprise questions for him. He's never had before. <laughs> we just got what we do here. Hopefully I can get through this article in the next few minutes. All right. Uh, he says, but there's an instant machine to fight medical surgery. Yeah, so there you go. So that's, uh, that's the thing. You cannot quarantine healthy people. You cannot require, and I'll post the law here again. I've, I've got it, uh, uh, section, uh, Title 18, Section 360, BBB, whatever it is. It basically, it says that for even an experimental, any experimental use, authorized drug therapy, treatment, vaccine, or whatever, anything uh, that they want to give you, you have the right to refuse it because it's experimental, okay? And that goes for the military, that goes for civilians, that goes for everybody. That everybody in this country, federal law says, you have the right to refuse an experimental uh, treatment. You just do. So no mandate can overcome that. You know, and besides, the Constitution gives you the right to be secure in your person. Well, secure in your person means that you can reject any kind of drug you know, therapy into your person because that's your person. How can you be secure in your person if they're going to jab you with some substance you have no idea what's in it? That's not secure. <laughs> this is downright dangerous. People are dying. A friend of mine just told me uh, someone in a, in a gym class they had um, just died of... Uh, uh, of a COVID shot. You know, they say they were fully vaccinated. Well, fully vaccinated a lot of times means fully dead. And you say to the people, that'd be the first thing I'd, I'd ask if somebody died, you know, under the age of 80, you know, did they receive the COVID jab? That's the first thing I would ask. You know, pilots are dying. Pilots are dying in the, in the air. Why? Because the oxygen is less at eight. You know, those cabins are pressurized to 8,000 feet. That's 15% oxygen as opposed to 22% oxygen at sea level. 
That's why they're dying. That's why the pilots are dying because they're, they're in a reduced oxygen environment anyway. So you got a few blood clots in the lungs, you starve uh, somebody of oxygen, you cause a heart attack, and they're going to drop dead, even if they're the pilot sitting right there flying the airplane. Good thing they have good autopilots. They actually have auto land, too. So anybody, you know, here, here's the good news. Anybody uh, can walk into the cockpit. Uh, the emergency frequency is 121.5. So if you dial 121.5 anywhere on a, on a U.S. airliner, I don't know if it works internationally. probably works internationally, too. But anyway, 121.5 is the frequency. You hop to the cockpit, dial 121.5, and say, hey, the pilot's got the COVID shot. You know, uh, I didn't. Uh, I need to land this airplane. Where, where's the auto land button? <laughs> you know, and they'll, they'll talk you through it. It's not that hard. I know, pretty crazy, huh? All right, that was a flight instructor. It was, it was one of those little things. I, you know, we, all flight instructors dream. All of us who didn't make it into the airline's dream of being the passenger that saves an airliner. It's just it's a standard dream. All right, back to the article. He says there are just two examples that there's LGBTQIA plus supremacy, the climate change cult, uh, ongoing open borders. Uh, attacks on food supply, de-dollarization, <laughs> that's what my constitutional mandate takes care of, and forced economic collapse. The list is unfortunately very long, and that's before I touch on the spiritual attacks against faith and religious freedom, which are the end goal of their machinations. So there you go. So those are just two examples. When he talks about, oh, above, the two examples above were uh, medical tyranny uh, and lockdowns. And he says there's more. So this is what the deep state wants to do against you. LGBTQIA plus supremacy, climate change, uh, ongoing open borders, attacks on our food supply, de-dollarization, that's, that's this, this CBDC, centralized bank digital currency, or central bank digital currency, right? Forced economic collapse, that's what the inflation and, and borrowing is all about. Uh, the list is unfortunately very long. Yeah, there we go. He says, the shift we need in our strategy is a huge one. We can no longer vote our way back into sanity. Perhaps we never could, and it was always an illusion. That's for future historians to decide. But today, it's time to start thinking outside of the standard playbook. Hey, Action Radio, that's what we do. Oh, God, i got to talk to this guy again. He said, it's also time to consider more drastic actions that shouldn't be discussed in public right now. No, you don't need violence. You don't need guns. We don't need a civil war. Stop that talk. Stop that talk right now. That's not what we need. We don't have to. Again, the whole point of Action Radio is, you know, if your only options are ballots or bullets, and you've got a problem, you need a third option. The third option is bills. We simply change the laws. We change the laws. We take away their power. We take away their power to tax us. We take away their power to cause inflation. We take away their power to transfer money from people to uh, central banks and government. You know, we can do it simply by changing the laws. The laws we have control over. If you have enough people sending, you know, bills and impressing uh, the elected officials, say, look, you pass this or else. And the or else is you're not coming back. I don't care what your lobbyists say. I don't care how much money in your campaign. doesn't matter. How is it that if you don't think people have power, how is it that uh, 60% of Republicans favor Donald Trump, even though he's been, quote, indicted four times? He's facing over 400 years of, of, of time in jail from these bogus charges and a potential execution. <laughs> I think one of, the, one, of the, the, one of the charges ultimately carries a death penalty. Uh, I'm not sure what I think one of the insurrection charges. Right? I mean, that's, that's hysterical. All right? so, so he's charged with 400 years worth of crimes, and then he goes up in the polls. So you mean to tell me the people don't have power, the people don't have some common sense, the people can't think for themselves? Of course we can. We just need the information. They can have cameras in the courtroom. Oh, that should be a hoot. You know, but uh, things are changing. So you want to talk about a huge shift in strategy. It's very simple. We, the people, give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. That's the change in our strategy. That's my strategy at Action Radio. And have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. That's our mission statement. We, the people, give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. 
doesn't mean they're going to pass. We still send them to the legislatures, but we write them. We write the laws that we consent to be governed by. We send them to government. We lobby them through. They study them. They analyze them. We have elected officials. It's a check and balance. The check and balance is that if people are writing stupid laws, laws that benefit special interests totally against the whole principle of action radio and freedom, is that you need a legislature to be able to discern the difference between the laws that generate freedom and the special interest laws that are business as usual. That's why you have a legislature. We do not want a direct democracy where we simply write laws and they get a, and uh, people vote on them and they get approved. Otherwise, you'd have a law that says that anybody making over $100,000 gives everything over to everybody else. <laughs> you know, and then the, the democracy, why not? You can do it in democracy. can't do it in a republic. Because private property is, uh, is kind of sacred. You earn it, it's yours. In a democracy, you earn it and we can vote it for ourselves. That's the difference. So you want to look for a difference in strategy. We've got it right here. That's what we do. Then he says, we need to start thinking outside of the standard playbook. Well, I've never thought that way. He says, it's also time to consider more drastic actions. Okay, all right, then he already said that. Then he says, some may have noticed my lack of updates on my site the last two days. This has been due in part to some very positive news. Before I get to that, uh, he's got a funny story. I don't want to have time for the funny story. I've only got about a few minutes before uh, Chatterwick gets here. On shortwave radio. Oh, here we go. So to mark this change in strategy, which happens to coincide with the addition of shortwave, certain things I'm asking. Uh, on his daily show, oh, he's just, okay, now he's talking about himself. Okay, great. Thanks. Hey, nice talking about yourself. Appreciate it. <laughs> that was fun. Let's see if I can get to uh, another. Uh... I don't have time to start another article, so I'm just going to kind of vamp for a little bit here. But yeah, that's what's going on. This is, uh, this is quite fascinating. Let's see if I can get a short one for you here. Some of the many things that are happening. Something in the news. A um, couple, couple of short takes, and I'll probably get to more of this later. Uh, one, I found this in uh, Jihad Report, Robert Spencer. This is the Biden regime. It's not, it's not an administration. It's a regime. Pay $6 billion. Or is that, you know, once, yeah, that would be million, yeah, $6 billion to Iran for hostages. But the deal doesn't include three U.S. residents still held there. So, and this is, this is uh, Obama's efforts to give Iran the nuclear bomb so they can bomb Israel. That's what I think is behind this, right? August 23rd, Robert Spencer says this opens the door for the Biden regime to pay even more American taxpayer dollars to the mullahs. It seems that in every case, the regime takes a course of action that will impoverish and harm Americans rather than foster their security and prosperity. Yeah, that's true. Also, paying huge amounts for hostages will only encourage more hostage taking. Remember Reagan said, I don't, uh, I don't pay money for hostages, and then he did. Reagan did. Reagan paid Iran for the the the, uh, the Iran uh, Contra hostages. Then he took the money. Um, he took, uh, they sold arms to. How did they sold arms to Iran? And then they used that money to give to the Contras to overthrow the Sandinistas. That was the Iran Contra affair. But yeah, Reagan definitely paid. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm not gonna pay money for hostages. And then he paid money for hostages. That's why I don't like Reagan. So that's one thing. So so Biden has sent uh, six billion dollars of our money to Iran, and he didn't get all our hostages out. He shouldn't have sent that in the beginning. That was a problem. Give me another one for you here. Back to Obama Swampy. Obama Swampy has an article uh, about him in Forbes magazine, of which I only have a couple of free copies left. I, I do free copies. If I get if I got to pay money for all the copies of things I got, I never get anything done. <laughs> you know, it's just too many things to subscribe to. Vivek Ramaswamy, who we call Obama Swampy, sued by former employees, claiming his company pressured them into violating security laws. So you wonder how he made money? This is one possible way. Right, guy made six hundred million dollars. With no patents, no inventions, 
know nothing. All of a sudden, he's got $600 million, and he ran a, a couple of companies and uh, got a law degree he doesn't use and uh, hasn't invented anything. Kind of interesting, huh? Anyway, it says uh, this is by, this is August 18th, by, 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 by William Skipworth, Forbes staff. Skipworth. It's, it's not a good name for a journalist. All right. Republican presidential candidate and businessman Vivek Ramaswamy, <laughs> Obama Swampy, is facing two lawsuits from former employees who say that when they worked at the company he co-founded, Strive Asset Management, or SAM, <laughs> they were aggressively pressured into violating securities laws. That's called extortion, <laughs> according to Bloomberg, which first reported these lawsuits Friday morning. But I haven't seen this in the news. Why? It's suppressed. Why? Because Obama Swampy can do no wrong. He's the new Obama. doesn't matter what he's done in the past. doesn't matter. doesn't matter that nobody's seen his academic record at Yale. No one knows what he did there. doesn't matter that he's got $630 million that nobody can really account for because he's never invented anything or done anything. doesn't matter he's never practiced law. doesn't matter that he was on the World Economic Forum list of Young America, our Young Leaders Program. Well, he, he, he sued to get his name off the list, but uh, they, they, how did they find him? You know, of all the people in the world, they, they, they pick, you know, leftist dictators for that young leader program, or as we call it, communist boot camp. And they, how did they find him? Good question. Anyway, I'm going to check my uh, email and see if any last minute announcements came in that I should know about. Nope, nothing yet. Good, good, good. Um, I'm waiting for a chat right to call. I'll probably call right at the top of the hour. These folks are usually pretty punctual because a lot of times they have other interviews to do. But uh, you know what? I, hey, I'm ready for them right now. So anyway, Joyce Rosley, Rosley who filed a lawsuit on August 8th in New Jersey, uh, names Ramaswamy, Strive Asset Management, and co-founder Anson Fredericks, there's a new name, uh, as defendants. Allegedly, she was fired as co-head of institutional sales because she raised concern about an executive making aggressive sexual advances toward a lower-level staffer at the firm about securities law violations. Oh, isn't it? This is great. This is a good scandal. Nobody's reporting it because, you know, Vivek Ramaswamy is the new chosen one, right? Rosalie also claimed Ramaswamy and Fredericks pressured her into using sales materials that promised customers future returns and allowing unregistered employees to make sales pitches to customers, which both constitute securities violations. Oh, 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 well, if that's his pattern, then, you know, he's going to be like as vice president or president. Additionally, Rosalie allegedly, uh, allegedly complained about Ramaswamy's social media posts, which were, in her view, amounting to illegal security sales. Hmm. Who's the other person? Uh, Oh, here's another lawsuit was filed in June by John Phillips, not of the Mamas and Papas. John Phillips, who said he was lured to strive asset management from his previous J.P. Morgan job on false promises that the firm had good financing and that Ramaswamy, otherwise known as Obama Swampy, who promptly quit to run for president, was committed to the company. Phillips alleged that Ramaswamy misrepresented Strive Asset Management's finances to employees and investors, and that the company, like it allegedly did to Rosalie, pressured him to violate securities laws. Why isn't this worldwide news? Did this come out in the debate? It's in Forbes magazine. It's a conservative magazine. Started by Malcolm Forbes, who died in a rodeo accident. That was a gutsy guy. <laughs> he had a big saddle in his office. Yeah, apparently he was uh, doing a rodeo competition, and, fell, and the horse fell back and killed him. What a gutsy guy. His son is Steve Forbes, who runs Forbes magazine now. I met Steve Forbes. How? I saw his campaign bus in, in, in uh, Concord, uh, California, in the, in the Bay Area. He was going to the, the, the big newspaper there. So you know me. I pulled in front of his bus, waved my hand, and knocked on the door. I said, hi, I want to shake hands with Steve Forbes. <laughs> Security guy comes out. You want to do what? <laughs> I want to shake hands with Steve Forbes. Okay. <laughs> he goes back inside. You know, Steve Forbes comes out, and I shook his hand. That man has never done a day of physical labor in his life. That man had, had woman hands. Sorry, Steve Forbes, it's true. 
you need to grab a broom and do some work, okay? Because that man had hands. I thought I was shaking a woman's hand, uh, who's never done physical work either, by the way. Uh, and of course, most women and men do, but not in this case. <laughs> this guy, it's really, God, you know, do something. Uh, oh, there's my guest. Okay, good. We're going we're gonna to pick this up later, Obama Swampy, and I'll tell uh, Chadwick all about it. First things first, though, I'm going to have some fun here. Uh, we got Marco. Uh, oh, yeah, there we go. We'll talk about Marco. Marco's my, list, my uh, listener um, in the Netherlands. But let's go. I've been wanting to talk to this guest for a while. So let me quickly switch to my uh, – where is it here? My, my guest introduction. So I've got to produce my own show, so it gets me really busy. So let's introduce our guest of the day, Chadwick Moore. So Chadwick Moore is the author of Tucker. He's a journalist, public speaker, political commentator, and culture critic. I'm curious what that is. He's a columnist and contributing editor at The Spectator, editor-in-chief of Outspoken and Outspoken Middle East, and formerly a regular guest on Tucker Carlson Tonight. So let's bring in our guest, Chadwick Moore. How you doing, Hey, friend? good morning. Good. How's it going? Oh, I'm having so much fun I can't stand it. So let me give you our traditional, uh, where is it here, our, our, a little round of applause. <laughs> well, I just saw you on, on the War Room, and I thought, that's my guest, you know, tomorrow or the day before, something like that. So it's really cool to have you on. Um, I've, got, I've got something to read to you, and this is the bio I, I found. is in the front page magazine and other places. It's probably in the book, too. It says, it says, tens of millions know Tucker Carlson, influential and most disruptive voice in American media. But who is Tucker Carlson off camera? What created and now motivates the man who revolutionized conservatism and became the scourge of the establishment left and right? Author Chadwick Moore, oh, that's you, was granted unprecedented access to Tucker Carlson through hundreds of hours of interviews, documents, photographs, and more. His conversations with Tucker, his family, colleagues, acquaintances, and enemies. Oh, I want to hear that. Produced the inside look into one of the most beloved and polarizing media figures. That about right? Yeah, I think that about, that about sums it up. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, tell me about it. Tell me, uh, tell me why you? Why, why you, and how did you get to write the book on Tucker? And why Tucker? Give us a story. Well, I've been wondering why me for the last you know, year and a half, but uh, hmm, okay. this came about. So we started working on this uh, about um, a year and a half ago, uh, early mm-hmm. last spring of 2022. And you know, my publisher called me up and said, you know, we want to do a book about Tucker Carlson, and we want you to write it. And oh, I, was, uh, I was a regular guest on Tucker's show for basically the entire run of the show. Weirdly enough, I was on the last episode on April 21st, which, of course, we didn't know was going to be the last episode. Uh, so back then, I, I just called up Tucker, and I, I, was, uh, you know, I thought, I don't know if he's going to be into it. I kind of know he doesn't really like that kind of attention. And, mm-hmm. uh, but I called him up, and, and you know, I hadn't spent really any personal time with Tucker before then. I just kind of knew, you know, knew him through the show. Uh, and he was all in for it. And he, you know, he said that he loved my writing and he just said, you know, sure, why not? And uh, from then we were off to the races and he totally opened up his life to me and his world and invite, you know, anytime I wanted to hang out, I was free to and stay in his home and, you know, got to know his family and his father and his, his wife, his team. And, uh, you know, he never asked to see a word of it. He totally trusted me, which is, you know, great, you know, honor and great responsibility. And uh, that's sort of uh, how the book came about. That's why you got the gig, because he trusted you, um, because you're on the show a bunch of times. What, what did you talk about on the show? What, what caused you to be a guest, uh, a regular guest on Tucker? 
Well, funny enough, the first time I was on the show was February 2017, uh, and it was like maybe my second or third time on television. Uh, okay. Like, you know, I, I was in. I came from the print world. I come from magazines and newspapers, uh, liberal right. media. I was working in liberal media, and in uh, 20, early 2017, I wrote a piece in the New York Post where I um, came out as a conservative, uh, which I thought was a pretty innocent thing to do, uh, but apparently not. <laughs> Are you and, kidding? Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was very naive back then. Traitor. I could do that. Said, you know, I believe in free speech, <laughs> and I think that my colleagues in the media are maybe lying a little bit about Trump and stuff, a racist or whatever. Uh, I thought it was very innocent. It wasn't, apparently. And, you know, I was fired from all my jobs. I was writing for the New York Times and, you know, a bunch mm-hmm. of liberal places. You and, got um, credentials. Yeah, this is interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, and, you know, I come from like you know the liberal bastion of Brooklyn, New York, and uh, so Tucker had me on his show after that article came out. Uh, that was my first time, and um, they kept having me back, mostly to talk about you know the left, uh, <laughs> and I guess maybe give my in, uh, someone who grew up on the left, you know, my insights into what a, whatever crazy thing they were doing at the time. Um, but you know, on that huh. show, you know, I was often kind of Tucker and I would laugh a lot. I was kind of brought in when um, when they needed a, a moment of levity, maybe. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's, um, that's how, uh, what I was doing on the show. Mostly the, the final episode, I think I was brought, Oh, I do remember the segment was about the plus in LGBTQ plus, And we were talking about what, <laughs> what does that mean? Exactly. I'm curious myself. What is that? <laughs> well, nobody knows what a plus is. I'm like, who are the pluses? Do they date minuses? Or is it like a, like, you know, like double a battery? Is that, I don't, I don't know. We're trying to figure out what the heck a plus is. Uh, that was the, the final episode on the final show. That was my segment. <laughs> That's interesting. Well, it, to me, it just seems like a, like the escape clause. Like there's more of us coming, you know. So uh, so so stand by. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's like uh, you know, you, what if what, what if we were conservative plus? Or I'm not even conservative. I'm, I'm what you would call a, an anti-federalist. <laughs> you know, I'm to the right of the founding fathers. Right. You know, I'm I'm back there at the Articles of Confederation. That's how far right I am. So to me, the Republicans, yeah. the the GOP, uh, we call them the gelding old party. Just to let you know. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> well, we have our own terms for everything. You know, Capitol, uh, the, the January 6th was the uh, Capitol Hill Invitational Walk-In. So we've got a lot of different... Oh, we, oh you like that? That's good. Yeah, I, I think yeah. I referred to it in the book as the, um, uh, the election integrity protest. <laughs> well, it, we've talked about it, and something you might want to look into, because we have not been able to find this out. Uh, I've had Christina Bob on the show. I've had Peter Navarro on the show. But the real coup. The real coup was not what took place uh, uh, up on top when the, when the uh, Trump supporters walked in taking selfies. The real coup is what happened underneath the Capitol. And nobody knows because there's nothing in the congressional record. So if you look in the congressional record, January uh, 6th of 2021, you'll see a gap. And it says, you know, recess began and this is recess ended. Well, how is it that you can have Congress meet for six or seven hours, both the House and the Senate together under the Capitol and have absolutely nothing in the congressional record? I find that fascinating. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. I wasn't aware of that. That's really interesting. Welcome to Action Radio. <laughs> we, we ask the questions nobody else has even thought of. You know, I'll tell you another one that I'm curious about, uh, and then I want to get to the Trump debate of the Trump talk last night. Um, Vivek, we call him Obama Swampy. I don't trust this guy one bit. He's just like Obama. I think he got uh, his uh, programming from Yale, just like Obama got his from Columbia. He's too smooth, too, too easy. You know, where do you get his money from? He's got no patents. I look for him. He hasn't invented anything. You know, uh, there's just a lot of stuff about him that is wrong. And all the conservatives are falling for this guy. Like, oh, wow, he's just so wonderful. He's, he, wants, he should be vice president. No, he shouldn't. He's like Mike Pence that talks better. <laughs> you know, I don't trust him one bit. Have you, have, you got a, have you got a feeling on me either way? What do you think? 
I mean, I mean, it's a, it's a, I see a lot of stuff like you mentioned out there about him, uh, and okay. you know, it's it's certainly interesting for sure. I mean, there, but there's you know, there's, there's absolutely no denying that he's a wonderful speaker and he says all these things that are very. I mean, he's a great, great speaker. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think a lot of great are, speakers are, are justified Caesar. in being absolutely suspicious. <laughs> yeah, a lot of great speakers over time. Caesar, you know, who else has been great speakers? You know, anyway, yeah, a lot <laughs> right. of dictators are really great speakers. You know, uh, Fidel Castro was a great speaker. You know, as people are lining up for the gulag. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Who, who's right, the publisher and, of the book? And of course, so oh, Obama. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Yeah, Obama oh, was I a just very said, great speaker. Of course, speaker. so was Obama yeah. was a wonderful speaker, yes. He was. He got that left-right thing. You know how he moved his head back and forth between the teleprompters to make him look like he was taking the whole audience in? <laughs> right, right. I noticed everything. I mean, I try to. You know, this is, this is what makes this fun. Let's get the publisher of the book, because I, I, I should have asked you that earlier. Who published uh, your book, uh, Tucker? Uh, All Seasons Press is the publisher. Okay, cool. There's something that stood out in that little thing that I just read you. is the last words, one of the most beloved and polarizing media figures. And these two words, beloved and polarizing. Can you talk about that a bit? How, how, how does that figure in? Sure. I mean, you know, it also even comes down to our decision to just name the book Tucker. No subtitle, no nothing. Because okay, tell me about name, that. Yeah, well, it, it, I think that relates to, to your question just now because that, that, just that name, we've come to a point, you just say the name Tucker and it will elicit so many emotions and so many people. Say it mm-hmm. in, a, in, a, in a restaurant in a liberal neighborhood and heads will pop up, you know? <laughs> and so it just, there's so much because that, that name, for so many people, it means so many things, whether he's totally, okay. totally beloved, totally, absolutely hated. And what I wanted to do with this book was to, and I, and I think we accomplished it, was to paint a three-dimensional portrait of a human being. You know, okay. who is this guy at his core and what motivates him and find out who he is and what makes him tick. Who's Tucker the man, not, you know, the, the most evil person who ever existed according to the left or even according to, you know, maybe some on the right, you know, this sort of Christ-like figure who's saving America. Uh, you know, That's day, he's really a human being and a guy. And I wanted to just yeah. really paint that portrait of what makes him tick. That's very interesting because there's so much misinformation. I wrote a, a couple of articles, you know, and there's one on uh, I, I sent to uh, start off as an email post um, about uh, Trump. You know, he says, aren't you tired of apologizing for Trump? I said, no. I said, what you see is not Trump. What you see is the media narrative of Trump. You know, a perfect example is when uh, uh, Trump said some of the people crossing our border illegally are murderers and rapists. And the media said, Trump says all Mexicans are murderers and rapists. I said, which do you believe? You know, if you, you, know, you believe oh, the actual yeah. quote, okay, but this is how it gets distorted. So same, I imagine the same thing applies to Tucker. So depending on your point of reference and the pointing, depending on the information that you're getting, which is why your book is so critical, is that people will believe the evil about Tucker if their sources are leftist sources who believe Tucker is evil. And if your sources are conservative who believe, you know, he's the next messiah of media, then they're going to believe things, you know, and they'll put him on such a pedestal that he couldn't possibly live up to. So either way, he's screwed. <laughs> You know, kind of. He can't just be himself. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, and I think I think Tucker himself is even more suspicious of the people who do think he's the Messiah and put him on a pedestal than he is his haters and detractors. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I think that they make more sense to him than the others. And okay. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, and um, yeah, exactly. Also, to your reference earlier about the murders and rapists of Trump, uh, another line mm-hmm. that stood out for me was, uh, of course, the um, the very fine people comment. Remember that. 
Uh, yeah, Charles, I mean, Charlottesville. Every liberal yeah. still believes that he called you know neo Nazis very fine people at Charlottesville. Which I mean, like, you show them the full quote and they're stunned that they didn't know mm-hmm. that, that was the full quote. I'll send you the article. Um, I had a. I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, I wrote an article on on the actual quotes that Trump said and the other quotes, the the, the common misperceptions. I've forgotten how I titled it. Oh, wait, are you a liberal? Uh, are you a conservative? Or are you inside the liberal propaganda bubble? And I'll send that to you. Let me ask you. Um, how did you get from, from liberal to conservative? What, what changed your mind? Oh, man, it was – I mean, it was really um, through, you know, working in, in media. It was it – was, I'd be sent to report on stories. You know, mm-hmm. I came from this place where I, I used to think that the New York Times, the New Yorker magazine, these places were, you know, very respectable, revered institutions that people were really trying to tell you the truth and get to – mm-hmm. you know, well, they were. Inherently curious people. And, you know, I'm in my 20s kind of thinking this, and the, as things would go on and I'd start – Getting, doing more stories, I'd see everything they were getting wrong, and 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 the crack, you know, the cracks were there, mm-hmm. and I would just be, you know, my, it, it's a weird thing to sort of realize that it, I guess you know people reference the movie The Matrix a lot, and it, it very much feels like that when suddenly you're outside looking in, being like, wait, none of this stuff is true. They're yeah. all lying. Everything I believed is a total lie, and mm-hmm. all of that really came to a head in 2015, 2016. Because I didn't cover politics before. I, you know, I had my views, but I wasn't writing about that stuff and wasn't in that world. And then, of course, politics was everywhere, and you couldn't avoid it. And I just began looking at everything the left was saying and, and doing my own research, and I was just believed that it was all – you know, they were all full of it. Uh, and then I did a couple of stories that year that, that, you know, people that people tried to cancel me for because they were a little too fair to conservatives. Oh, welcome to the club. <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah, get canceled right? every day. I am so suppressed on, on social media, I can't tell you, you know, because I came out against, uh, you know, I call him Dr. Fascist, uh, Fauci, um, the genocidal, psychopathic, <laughs> avaricious, narcissistic, pathologically lying vaccine drug pressure. That's his full title. Um, but we, <laughs> we came out March 2nd for chloroquine, March 2nd, 2020. We, but two weeks ahead of 15 days, to slow the spread, we already had the cure. We said chloroquine works. We got the study from Marseille, France, Didier Raoult. I said, this government thing is a whole hoax. COVID's a real virus. I said, but it's curable. It's treatable. We already know that there's no, there is no pandemic. March 2nd of 2020. Guess what happened the next day to all my listeners and all my uh, audience and all my social media? It was gone. Totally gone. Totally wow. suppressed. Yep. Incredible. So I, I know all about it, Incredible. but I wasn't famous yet. So they, they suppressed me before I had a chance to get famous. Now I'm trying to hopefully fix that. And we've only got you for about 10 more minutes. I want to get to, um, so I got some ideas for you I want to propose because we are a unique show in the world. Um, nobody does what we do. We actually write citizen legislation. We have a citizen legislature. We write bills on the air. We have a bill on vaccine product liability that will restore full liability. We have a bill that uh, would totally end big tech censorship. Our strongest bill, and this is the one I'm hoping that to, to get to the Trump campaign they can run on, is a constitutional amendment to take away the power of Congress um, to borrow money. That's what we oh. do here. Oh, yeah. Wow. Now, here's, I got a couple of ideas. The first idea was I was hoping for this first debate that not only would Trump be with Tucker, but Robert Kennedy would be there, too. I want to get the two of them at the same table talking as men, as serious people, as the non-deep state debate. Uh, not even a debate, just a discussion, because uh, they both love this country. They're both America first, and they have totally different ways of getting there. And I think Tucker would be the one person to talk to them at the same time maybe during the next debate. Can you get like a message to that to him? Would that be something that you'd be interested in? That would be incredible. I can, I can totally get that message to him. Uh, that would that'd okay. be a wonderful thing to watch. And they're, they're the two populist candidates and campaigns. And Arthur yeah. Jr. is absolutely a populist in the way Trump is. Yeah. 
Yeah, the, the Democrats hate Kennedy and the Republicans hate Trump. It's, it'd be the perfect combination. That's how I see the election. <laughs> no, it is. It, it's like the, the, the America first, both of them, all right? And there's a lot of Republicans who really like Robert Kennedy, much more so than their own Republican candidates. That's something that needs exploring. Maybe you can write about that. That would be fascinating to look into. Oh, Here's yeah, for question. sure. <laughs> okay, Here's the big question. I'm going to be shamelessly self-promoting here. But what I want to do is, is hopefully get on, on the air with Tucker. And what I'd like to have him do is walk him through writing his own bill on the air, something we could submit directly to Congress. It would be broadcast history. It's never been done before. I've written bills on the air with a bunch of people, but I've never done it with someone like Tucker Carlson. If he's interested, we get the laptop, we get the camera on the laptop, and we actually walk through our website, writeyourlaws.com, and he would write a bill with me on the air that we could send to Congress. How's that for an idea? I, what do you think his bill would be about? I don't even know what he, That's what up to him. Would... I don't know. But the fun of it was, would be that I wouldn't know. And I'd just say, okay, here's how we follow the process. All of our citizen bills, and this is we, we've demy- demystified the process. Our vaccine liability bill only changes a couple of words in law. Instead of where it says, there's only two places it says this. It says vaccine manufacturers shall not be liable. We change that to shall be fully liable in two places. That's all you have to do. See, the big mystery is, is that people don't understand how simple it is to totally reverse laws. Okay? Uh, big tech censorship bill makes big tech immune from anything anybody posts unless they touch their accounts, and in which case that immunity goes away. That's, that's the essence of it. Okay? Um, the Constitutional Amendment, same thing, but it's a very simple bill. We just delete the sentence in the Constitution that says Congress shall have the power to borrow money on the credit of the United States. That's it. So what people don't understand that we've discovered here at Action Radio is that you can, t- if you just write an introduction or a rationale for your bill, you post the old law, the things that you're going to change, and you post the new law. That's it. That's all you need. And we go titled section, you know, the U.S. code or the state codes, and we can write bills that are submitted directly. I'll send this to you all after the air, after the show. Um, but you can, uh, it's that easy to do. And what I want, I'd be interested to see if Tucker would want to actually do that. And show America how simple this is, how anybody with an idea, we can turn that idea into an introduction. We can take the old law and find where it is in the code, U.S. code, particularly if we're going to do Congress, and how we can write uh, a better law on top of it. And we can do that right on the air. And it's best if I don't know what he wants to write about, because then I can show you from scratch how it would work. Anyway, that's my big idea. Yeah, that's, that's super interesting. I mean, I, I personally would love to know if he had the power to write a law, what would it be? What, what would be the number one law he'd write? I, you know, he's, he's someone who a lot of people, you know, there's, say he, you know, wonder if he's going to run for president or run for office or something. Uh, and then after getting to know him, you know, over the last year and a half writing this book, because you know him really well, I'm always, you know, he's not, I always say no, like there's no way. I mean, obviously I could be wrong, but like in my opinion, there's absolutely no way he would ever do that. Because, uh, you know, he's not someone who has that gene that thinks, like, I, can, I deserve to lead everyone. I'm the person you need. You know what I mean? That, no, this that isn't leading. This is, yeah. this is what an average citizen – we have average people. We have regular people who you've never heard of. A regular person actually wrote with Judy Mikovits, who's like the world's greatest molecular um, biologist who uh, knows Robert Kennedy. They wrote a bill banning a drug advertising in the United States. But the woman who wrote it was just a listener who happened to listen to Judy Mikovits. I got them together on the air. They wrote the bill. That's cool. I'll have, to, I'll have to ask him next time I see him. Okay. Well, let me ask you, what, what, what bill would you write? Do you want to try it oh, out first? I... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it would have to, it would probably have to do with big tech and censorship because that would be okay. the number one 
I think that'd be, the, yeah, what, what I would be capable of understanding and writing myself. I think, secondly, the biggest issue I'd care about would have to do with trade and trying to boost America's manufacturing base. I think those okay. are probably the two issues I care about the most. Uh, so, yeah, it'd be along those lines. I think you're definitely on the, on the right path with, with Well, think about it. Come back on the show, and we'll do a bill workshop. I'll walk you through it, either before or after. Oh, that'd be so cool. Okay. That'd yeah. be awesome. So, again, this is what makes us unique in the world. Okay. Let's get back to Tucker for a little bit. Thank you for listening to that. I really appreciate it because that's – I really wanted to tell you, but I, and I know it's shamelessly promoting, but it's the only way we're going to get the activism that we need to change the country, you know, to do things that have never yeah, been totally. done before. I have, to, I have to be this blunt. Okay. So something that fascinated me about um, Tucker Carlson, and then I read something in the book about his father. And he's kind of modeling himself on his father. There were journalists. I'm 63. I came to the United States in 1972 off the boat from Australia. And uh, I was born in Canada. And so when I got here, my introduction to the United States was the Vietnam War. So we got a war in a place I've never heard of. You know, I didn't know much about the United States before I got here. Uh, and the president was being impeached. Hmm, Watergate. And then I thought to myself, my parents had brought me to a really interesting place. Why are we here? <laughs> anyway, but... <laughs> But what was so fascinating <laughs> to me was that, uh, was that the journalists were real journalists. Woodward, Bernstein, you know, all the president's men. If you haven't seen the movie, you know, uh, you want to talk about a journalistic film? Uh, not The Matrix, but go, go watch, uh, uh, oh, who is it? Is it, uh, I've forgotten who it is. Um, the guys, it was Robert Redford and I think Dustin Hoffman uh, played Woodward and Bernstein. All the president's men, back when the Washington Post was like all fluorescent lights and they had typewriters and they had, carb- they had copy, you know, copy boy, carbon copies and things like that. But they're real journalists. They had sources. They looked things up. They talked to people. They talked to Deep Throat, rather unfortunate name for those that don't know the film, um, in a parking lot. But they did real journalism. But the thing was, they weren't the only ones. There were a lot of people doing real journalism. And what it seems to me, and this is what I'm curious about, Tucker seems to me that kind of journalist in a time when all the other journalists had become propaganda arms of the uh, the Democrat, you know, media fascist propaganda complex. He's the one who's still uh, a traditional classic journalist. What do you think? Abs- I think that's absolutely correct and really astute. And, th- and that's not even has any that has nothing really even necessarily to do with ideological bent. I think that has everything to do with his approach to the news and the way he sees news in the world, which he got completely from mm-hmm. his father. Which is yeah. definitely that old school mentality of what a journalist is. And also mm-hmm. I think that comes from his time being in print and he's a very he's a very literary guy and he loves reading and writing. All those A blocks on his show, that those monologues he's so famous for, that's all him writing it himself. And uh, I think that's say for that. sure his outlook. He should say that because people don't know that. You listen to, like, I'm, I'm sure Sean Hannity has this stuff written for him. Um, I've had PR firms, you know, they want to put guests on my show, which is fine. Uh, and they said, well, here are the questions we suggest. I said, that's nice. You can keep them. I do my own questions. Thank you. Like, <laughs> right, exactly. like, what? <laughs> you know, well, here are the talking points. I said, I don't need your talking points either. Thanks very much. I said, just give me the guests. I'll do the rest. I would you know, be so insulted and, if someone submitted questions ahead of an interview I was giving. I'd be like, what are you doing? I mean, what? Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk yeah. about your journalism. We've we got a, just a few minutes left. I want to you know, tell me about your career. Where, where are you now? What are you writing about? What do you want to do? And uh, are you, do you have another book in mind? What's going on? Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're on the tour with this book. It just came out this okay. month. And uh, I, I, still, I still write for The Spectator, uh, spectatorworld.com. You can find all my columns there. And, and, you know, I pop into the New York Post and other conservative media outlets from time to time. And now okay. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to the next book. I'm not sure what it will be next, but I'm, I'm definitely getting excited to start uh, working on another project again. Interesting. Um, We've got like just a couple of minutes left. Tell me anything you want that, that, that we haven't covered. Uh, any, any part of the story, any part of the tour, any part of, you know, writing the book, um, anything you want, anything you're working on, I'd be curious. 
Well, you know, he gave this interview to, to Trump last night on Twitter. That's now yeah, let's talk about like that. 180 yeah, million views. Yeah, uh-huh. it's, it's nuts. 180 million views or something. It's crazy. Uh, really? And, you know, in the book, yeah, on Twitter, it's it's. I think I think it's the someone posted it's now the most watched interview of all time, beating Oprah's interview with Michael Jackson in the 90s, which had 90 million views. So, you know, of course, I think the left is going to say, well, that's just Twitter and you can't blah, blah, blah. We don't know how they calculate views, which might be true. We don't know if that's 160 million who sat for the entire 45 minutes and watched it. We don't know. But still, I watched it. Yeah, I watched it. I didn't watch the Goober debate. That's what I call it. I did not watch the Goober debate. (laughs) (laughs) You you can use that. All the terms I've given you are fair game for you to use. That's why I make them up. So you can call them the gelding old Republicans. (laughs) You can call them the the, the Goober candidates. I mean, it just all makes sense. There's one fascinating moment 35 minutes into the interview last night where he talked about the battleground uh, states and the Trump electors. There's dual electors out there. We have focused on that since the 2020 election. That's really the key. That when he said that when Mike Pence said he could not send them back to the uh, the electors back to the state legislatures, I believe he was constitutionally bound to do that. That was his only choice. He had to send them back. Trump said they had to go back also. All right. And in fact, the proof is when Trump then later said that uh, when he didn't send them back, they actually changed the law, which said that future vice presidents couldn't send them back either. So at the time, Trump said you could send these electors back to the battleground states, uh, Arizona, Nevada, New Mexico, Michigan, Wisconsin, Georgia, and Pennsylvania, that that was perfectly legal and perfectly constitutional to do. Then they changed the law. That, to me, is the most interesting part of the interview. Did you, did you find that uh, curious at all? I, I did. I did. And, and again, how that was spun was the media saying Trump was saying, uh, you know, Mike Pence shouldn't certify the election. And that's not what he was saying at all. He was actually uh, adhering to the Constitution, it sounds like, and saying, turn it back to the states and, and let them return it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the whole point of following the Constitution. Um, I promise to get you out of here in 25 minutes, and we've actually accomplished that. Um, so, because I know you've got an interview coming up in five minutes from now. Thank you so much. Obviously, I want you back. I mean, we have so much to talk about. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, it was great talking with you. Yeah. So let's get the information, where to get the book, anything you want to say about it. Uh, the fact that Amazon is not uh, promoting as much as they should, go for it with whatever time you want to, to take. Oh, out. the Amazon, that's a whole other bag of worms. But uh, you can go to TuckerTheBook.com uh, mm-hmm. to find out all your information. There you can order direct from the publisher, or you can get it at Barnes & Noble, Books a Million, Walmart, or Amazon if you'd like, or anywhere you get your books. Okay. Well, I'm going to send you a couple of uh, – I'll send you the podcast for the show. Uh, I've got your email, and then I'll send you a couple of bills to peruse. And uh, let's think about uh, you know, making some broadcast history here. That would be fascinating. Awesome. Sounds good. Cool. All right. Talk All right. to you soon. Thanks a lot. Bye. Thank you, Terry. You take care. Bye now. Wow. I'm just, I'm just having so many interviews right now. It's really quite fascinating. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's, that's, that's – I uh, did what I wanted to do. Um, and I, it, you know, it's amazing when you only have 25 minutes and you want to put as much as you possibly can into that time and maximize it. I think, I think it, I think it'd be better. At least I hope so. We'll find out. Um, but, uh, we've got, uh, CJ coming up with a wellness report at the top of the hour. Um, I'm just going to play some stuff now and decompress. <laughs> that was really intense. He's fascinating. Uh, but there's so much more too. He's uh, in and outspoken. Uh, I want to find out what that's about. I want to find out his journalistic stuff and uh, see if he wants to write. I think I kind of uh, shocked him a bit with writing a bill on the air. But you never know. Marco, what do you think? Let's see what uh, Marco's opinion was. I'll give him a chance to uh, to write something while I go back and uh, play a few things here. And we'll be, what time is it now? 26. We'll be right back. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay. How about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive. 
conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stores Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stores Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Grace Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is gracecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gracecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force. So our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's Energy. Start your engines. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. And this is what happens when I get too carried away (laughs) and I forget to put up the next promo. Hang on, one more to go here. And then, uh, ah, there it is.
You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. That was so much fun. <laughs> I really love chats like that. We've had a great week. We had uh, Karen Strawn on yesterday. Um, we had uh, Chadwick Moore on today, author of Tucker. I mean, how much better does this get? We're just having way too much fun here. So let's get our, our news theme and get back to news. There we go. Okay, so there's a couple of things um, in Gateway Pundit that I found quite fascinating. Uh, if you haven't seen the um, the video with uh, Tucker Carlson and Colonel Doug McGregor, um, McGregor's been on the show. Tucker Carlson hasn't, but <laughs> maybe now he will be. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Um, so uh, I'll, I'll talk to uh, Chadwick about that. Uh, I'll send him an email and uh, see what he thinks of this whole thing. But yeah, I think he really enjoyed that discussion. At least I hope so. I did. Uh, that was fabulous fun. But, uh, you know, it, it's hard for people to absorb uh, the things that we do here. It's like you write legislation on the air. You, you do what? <laughs> you know, I mean, so, so for me, because I've been doing this for years, so, so, so to me it's perfectly normal to talk about it. But for someone that's never heard that before, a whole new experience. So anyway, get out and buy the book, Tucker. Uh, don't worry about Amazon. Go around Amazon. Just uh, find a way to get it and, uh, and find out. And uh, it, it, I think we got some good insight from uh, – uh, from Chadwick into the hows of the whys and how he got to do the book and uh, his relationship with Tucker and, you know, all, you know I, now I'm really curious, you know, and then uh, we'll see what happens. Anyway, so here's something, Gateway, Gateway Pundit is my new favorite source of information. It's um, probably why we get to research it on Facebook so much. Anyway, Seymour Hirsch uh, said, Anthony Blinken figured out U.S. will not win the war after the CIA told him Ukraine offensive not going to work. So in other words, the, the, um, the, Brian, the, the Brandon insurrection, the illegal government, uh, in Washington, they know this war can't be won, but they're not in it to win the war. That, that's the that's the myth. That's the fraud. That's the that's the shiny object. They are in this war to take money from the American taxpayer and give it to themselves. Ukraine is a is a money laundering, drug operating, child sex trafficking, bio lab cesspool of corruption, graft, evil, greed, and everything else. That's what Ukraine is. Okay, unfortunately, and there's some nice people there that left <laughs> or, you know, have to fight the war. So, so the, the brave and the decent people are, are either fighting and dying or leaving. Uh, and the corrupt government of, uh, what's his name, Lobachevsky, <laughs> you know, Zelensky, um, is, is, is I, I named, that's an old Tom Lehrer song. Anyway, I'll play it later. Uh, but uh, yeah, so they're all stuck there. And Kiev is corrupt and uh, it's always, it's been that way for a long time. So there's a lot of problems there. But, the, but it's not going to be solved by us, you know, donating uh, 100 $150 billion worth of taxpayer money that we need right here. Maui could do some of that, you know, um, instead of what's happening. So they know the war can't be won, obviously. McGregor laid it out completely in his, in his interview with Tucker uh, exactly what the problems are. And so uh, it should be interesting to see, now that, now that we know that they know that they can't win, the fact that they still want more money to go into it obviously proves that, this, that the war has nothing to do with the money. 
So anyway, this is by Richard Abelson, uh, A-B-E-L-S-O-N, August 20th, Gateway Pundit. Who says the CIA warned U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken that the Ukrainian offense was not going to work? Hey, CIA got it right. Thank you, CIA. No, you didn't hear about it because the CIA got it right. Okay, And this reports veteran journalist Seymour Hirsch. The end of the Biden regime's murderous and failing war policy in Ukraine is near. I've got an article by Hirsch up here. I wonder if that's it's probably the same one. I'll check it out in a minute. I, I'm just kind of vamping right now for a while until we get uh, uh, CJ here. But I wanted to go over these articles anyway. Hirsch cites an unnamed Intel official who said that Secretary of State Anthony Blinken has figured out that the United States and Ukraine will not win the war. We knew that before the war started. That's what Dr. Peter Pry told us that. We knew six months before the war that Ukraine could not win this war. There was no point in fighting it, that the best thing to do was to uh, pull NATO back um, to the Iron Curtain, the original Warsaw Pact, NATO lines, leave Eastern Europe alone as independent states. Western Europe can belong to NATO so that Russia doesn't invade the Western states. And we've got a nice little stalemate and everybody's happy. That would have worked out fine. But no, no, NATO has to go in and try and, uh, you know, co-opt all these countries and grow bigger and bigger because the only thing government does well is grow. They screw up everything else, but they do, they do that well. They do grow well. And that's the problem. Anyway, article says on Thursday, the Washington Post reported the U.S. intel community realizes the Ukrainian offensive will fail to achieve its key goal of taking the southeastern city of Melitopol, Melitopol, probably metropolis in Ukrainian, a strategic Russian logistics hub. Okay, probably probably metropolis in Russian. (laughs) He says the word was getting to Blinken through the agency, that would be the CIA, that the Ukrainian offensive was not going to work. It was a show by Zelensky, and there were some in the administration who believed his BS, although they use the full word here. And that's according to uh, Seymour Hersh's source. So Blinken wanted to broker a peace deal between Russia and Ukraine, as Kissinger did in Paris to end the Vietnam War, according to the official. Oh, Blinken wants to be Kissinger. What a great role model. <laughs> anyway. Kissinger's best line was when he said the only problem with the Iran-Iraq war is that there can only be one loser. I'll let you sit with that. Hirsch's source said, back to the article, that, I just hit my glasses, hang on, let me restructure those, said that in the recent peace conference in Saudi Arabia uh, was National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan's baby, planned uh, as a crowning achievement uh, after a successful Ukrainian counteroffensive. Uh, offensive. No, instead, this is why I can never be a newsreader, I'm not good at it. <laughs> instead, the Jeddah, uh, J-E-D-D-A-H, peace conference without Russian attendance, fizzled. Well, you can't have a, a, a peace conference on the Russian-Ukrainian war without Russia. <laughs> That's just a given. Article says Sullivan planned it to be Biden's equivalent of President Woodrow Wilson's Versailles. Oh, there's another great role model. <laughs> Grand Alliance of the Free World meeting in a victory celebration after humiliating defeat of the hated foe to determine the shape of the nations for the next generation. Oh, yeah, that, that uh, peace treaty of Versailles, you know, the one that caused World War II? Oh, great role model. Great, guys. That's your, that's your model for the future? Hmm, Interesting. Ah, this is fame and glory, promotion and re-election. The jewel in the crown was to be Zelensky's achievement of Putin's unconditional surrender. <laughs> I need a laugh track for this. <laughs> Putin's unconditional surrender after the Lightning Spring Offensive. These people are on crack. Well, actually, they are on crack now that I think about it. They did find some in the White House, right? So these people are on crack. If that's what they thought, that they thought Putin was going to surrender after a Ukrainian offensive? These people are doing some serious drugs, and they're not very, and, and they're 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 seriously self delusional. This is actually this is this is beyond tragic. This is into comedy, you know, where, where tragedy ends and comedy begins. He says they were even planning a neurotype trial in a world court where Jake is our representative 
just one more F up, they say the real world, but who's counting? Oh, this is what they thought? They thought they were going to like be you know, General Eisenhower and, uh, and ride in and uh, have a Nuremberg trial and put, put Russians on trial for war crimes? Probably put Ukrainians on there, too, from what I've heard. Article says the CIA warned Secretary of State Blinken that the spring counteroffensive was going to be a big lose. Hirsch writes, Blinken found himself way over his skis, <laughs> but he does not want to go down as the court jester. Too late, sorry. It says when Warhawk Blinken was suddenly having doubts, CIA Director Bill Burns, well, that's who the CIA Director is. CIA Director Bill Burns made his move to join the sinking ship, Hirsch writes. Burns may have been jockeying to replace a disillusioned Blinken, according to Hirsch, but only as a token promotion, an appointment to Biden's cabinet. Yeah, Blinken. Blinken was, uh, there's a couple of people, uh, Jake Sullivan and Anthony Blinken. I know Blinken was a longtime aide to Joe Biden. That's how he got the job. You know, does he have all kinds of diplomacy credentials? I don't think so. I think he's just, you know, Biden's aide. You know, so he's, uh, that's how he, you know, they don't have to be qualified in a Democrat administration. You just have to, well, actually, it's kind of funny. He's a white guy. He's got a couple of white guys as Secretary of State, Jake Sullivan and Anthony Blinken. Hmm. Funny how that worked out. Back to the article. At the same time, ultra hawkish Victoria Newland, who probably started the war, was promoted by Biden from Undersecretary of State for Political Affairs to Acting Deputy Secretary of State over the heated objections of many in the State Department. Yeah, because she's a total uh, dictator. <laughs> she's the one that totally screwed up uh, Ukraine. Probably caused, she probably, if any one person can be single-handedly responsible for causing the war, um, and the unnecessary war between Ukraine and, uh, and Russia, and resulting in up to maybe 400,000 Ukrainian deaths, it's Victoria Nuland. Uh, Hirsch writes, she, was not, she has not been formally nominated to this deputy for fear that her nomination would lead to a hellish fight in the Senate. Oh, gee, I can't have that. Anyway, the article goes on. There's more to it. Oh, here we go. Let's see if we can get Mark Milley into this, too, Mr. General Milktoast. In November, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, Mark Milktoast, said, said that a victory by Ukraine may not be achieved militarily. Well, how else does one win a war? How else does one win a war if you don't achieve a military victory? Call me crazy. I just, you know, I'm just... Khan does I see it, right? He says and that Kiev should look for a diplomatic solution to the crisis. Didn't we say that before the war started, like six months before the war started? Didn't we say that? Yes, we did. He says, we may have missed a, w- a window to push for earlier talks. U.S. official told Politico, admitting that Milley had a point. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. That's what's going on there. All right, let me get you another one here. Uh, let's talk about the real problem. This is the real problem. <laughs> the real problem is Biden regime to reinstate COVID-19 restrictions, beginning with mask mandates as, a COVID, as COVID cases rise, says TSA and Border Patrol whistleblowers. So this is August 18th. So this is, uh, this is a problem. I've got, I've got a Facebook post on this. Um, we're always starting our resistance campaign. I brought out my, my video again talking about you know, why this is so unconstitutional. Um, I've got some noise out there outside. If you hear background noise, I think they're like doing some sawing and cutting and hacking and <laughs> whatever it is. It, it, it shouldn't come through the microphone, but if it does, that's what's going on. So in my Facebook post, I wrote, where is it here? Uh, Brandon is bringing back the COVID dictatorship so the deep state can steal the election. Again, GOP gullings won't help. So what specifically will you do to resist? I also wrote in my Facebook uh, post for any schools that close. A friend of mine sent me uh, there's a school district in Texas that's uh, doing a COVID close. For any schools that close, sell the schools to private school entrepreneurs, fire the teachers and administrators, and recall the school the school board. Start over with the privatized system. If any school district closes, just 
fire everybody, start over. Sell the buildings, sell them to a private school, start over the privatized system. Have a government voucher, all the tax money that comes in for education, send it right back out again uh, in vouchers to people with students. Actually send it out to every. Well, I don't know how you do that. Um, it should go to everybody because people that don't have students still pay taxes to support the schools. So you either eliminate the taxes. That's probably, that's probably the better way is you cancel all school taxes and have parents pay um, for their kids. But that money is, gets, is reimbursable either as a deduction or a tax credit, depending on income. You could do that. So the ways to do it. So if you're taking money and giving it back to everybody, why take it in the first place? So don't take it in the first place. You know, parents who have kids uh, should uh, probably pay a certain amount for an education, either whatever they pay for government schools or private schools. But you, sh- you can't make parents pay taxes for government schools and then pay again for a private school. That's paying twice. That's, that's ridiculous. So what you do is you have uh, like the, the Arizona system. So we actually don't have to, let's do that. Let's just institute the Arizona system where whatever money comes in, parents have full choice of how it's spent. Sounds good to me. So that's how you do it, full choice. So uh, close your school system, sell the schools to entrepreneurs uh, and create a full, full school choice system where the tax money uh, that comes in for education goes back out to parents with kids and they decide where to spend it. All right, uh, that's how I would handle it. But let's just talk about this thing again. So why are they doing it? COVID cases rise. I don't see any evidence of COVID cases rising. Anybody know anybody that's got COVID? Oh, wait. Marco, they got COVID over there in the Netherlands? What's going on? I think think he's uh, left the conversation or he's too busy right now. I want to know. I'm curious. You know, is, uh, you know, where where, where is this mythical COVID? You know, is Europe, is is the European Union going to reinstitute mandates and try and do the vaccine pass? I mean, do we have to go through this whole thing again? I hope not. Oh, by the way, I'm going to start organizing mask burning parties. I got to find a mask. I got to find a mask that I can burn. I think I know where I can get one. (laughs) We'll see. But uh, yeah, I need to, we need to do a ceremonial mask burning. Anyway, so it says Biden regime. See, everybody says regime. Nobody says administration anymore. Anybody who knows, knows they stole the election. Biden regime to reinstate COVID-19 restrictions beginning with mask mandates. Okay. Now, why would you mandate a mask that we know doesn't work? We know it doesn't work. It says so in the package, it doesn't work. <laughs> so why would you mandate a mask that doesn't work? That's absurd. I've got it on my Facebook page. You know, it says right there in the, in the instructions, mask does not stop viruses. COVID is a virus. Therefore, ergo, logic 101, the mask does not stop COVID. Article says the Biden regime is preparing to reinstate full COVID lockdowns, beginning with masking mandates for TSA and airport employees, reportedly as early as mid-September. And that's from InfoWars. That's Alex Jones. A high-level TSA official reached out to InfoWars detailing a Tuesday meeting where TSA, that's the Transportation Security Administration, those are the folks that uh, pat down you know, Swedish grandmothers in case they're terrorists, right? Where TSA managers were informed of new memorandums and policies that would re-implement mask wearing. These policies will reinstate the mask mandate for TSA and airport employees starting in mid-September. Of course, if you've already had COVID, you're immune. If you're immune, there's no reason to wear a mask and certainly no reason to get a, um, a jab, you know, a COVID shot. Why would you do that? Why would you do that if you knew you're immune? This is, what, this is why they don't test for immunity. See, if they tested for immunity and everybody proved to be immune, which most people would be now because we've all been exposed to COVID, you know, why would you, uh, they can't convince you to take a, you know, a COVID shot, dangerous as they are, for something that's not dangerous, for something you're already immune to, right? So this is why you want to, if you want to get tested, find out if you're already immune. And if you're already immune, then just forget this stuff. Anyway, it says these policies will reinstate the mass mandate for TSA and airport employees. 
It says the official added that by mid-October, mask wearing will be mandated for pilots, flight staff, passengers, and all airport patrons. Mid-October. I guess I'm not flying after mid-October. I wouldn't wear a mask anyway. So if I get called to a conference, I'm not wearing a mask. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. You can't make me wear a mask. These things don't work. Well, it's our policy. You have to do it. It's mandated. president said so. Well, he's not the president. (laughs) Even if he were, he couldn't say so. It's unconstitutional. I'm not sick. Can't, can't, can't put a mask on me. Anyway, we'll see what happens. Then it says, following this disclosure from the TSA, official InfoWars reached out to a trusted Border Patrol source, also in a managerial position. I think I know who that might be. But I know some of the TSA, I know some of the, the Border Patrol folks. Uh, you do too, because you've seen them on the news. <laughs> Probably enough of a hint. And it says, this source corroborated the directives confirming that similar measures were being planned for Border Patrol personnel. Now, obviously the government doesn't move that fast, so they've been planning this for some time. Why September and October? Gina, what's going on in September, October after Labor Day? Oh, I don't know. Maybe the presidential election of 2024? Yeah. This coincides directly with the campaign for president in 2024, meaning that this is absolutely stealing election policy. This is how, this is how they're going to say we need uh, mail-in ballots. This is how they say we need all this other stuff. You know, we, we have to do this because COVID's out there. So COVID is conveniently coming back for the 2024 election. Wow, how about that? That's pretty good. That's, that's pretty, uh, pretty fortuitous, pretty, uh, pretty, uh, um, for, a lot of foresight that, that went in, a lot of uh, uh, prophecy. A lot. What's the word I'm trying to think of? Uh, There's a word that escapes me right now. You know, you see something in the future? <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, it says they were told that it was not a matter of if but when uh, official COVID numbers will go back up. So the numbers haven't gone back up yet. So it says they were told that it was not a matter of if, but when official COVID numbers will go back up and they expect by mid-October a return to forced masking policies that the Brandon insurrection previously only reluctantly ended after massive pressure. Well, obviously, we're going to have to put massive pressure again. I need to redo my um, my vaccine bill. So I need to make an important vaccine bill. I put no no emergency exemption. So there'll be no emergency exemption to liability. Exemption. Do, 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 do. There we go. Right. I like yesterday, you know. I mean, I love talking to Chadwick, but yesterday was more fun because I had reporters every hour. I don't like sitting here just reading stuff. I mean, it's, it's important. I mean, it's good to get the news out, but, you know, I'd much rather talk to people. So we'll see. So there we go. So they're saying that uh, they, they're convinced the numbers are going to go back up. So they haven't gone back up yet, right? So they're all set for the numbers to go back up. So it says the reported numbers, which means they're going to report that the numbers are up, whether they're up or not. That's going to be interesting. Ah, the news outlet added, both whistleblowers were told this rollout will be in tandem with the new COVID, quote, variant hysteria that the mainstream media has been reporting on this week. Well, the, the, the only COVID variant is the government, the government variant. That's the variant the COVID government variant, the one they're creating. Gateway Pundit has previously reported that health experts are now sounding the alarm on the new COVID variant, which conveniently comes in right at the beginning of election season. (laughs) Isn't that fascinating? Article says the World Health Organization classified the EG.5 coronavirus strain, EG5. What's what's, We need need something for EG, environmental governance, uh, eccentric... uh, Gelding, I don't know. We'll think of something for EG. EG5. We got, we got to, you know, we have Gelding Old Party. We can do it. EG5 coronavirus strain circulating in the United States and China, a variant of interest, but stress it did not seem to pose more of a threat to public health than other variants. 
Oh, well, the other variants haven't posed any threat to public health. The only thing the variants have posed a health uh, uh, um, uh, threat to are people who got the jab. The rest of us are fine. Our body goes, oh, I've seen this before. It's just slightly different than the, than the first one. <laughs> you know. So if you've got an immune system, your body takes a look at the new variant coming in and goes, oh, I've seen this before. And, and yet, why is it I've never been sick um, since the original COVID strain? And this is the healthiest I've been probably my entire life. I haven't had a cold. I haven't had flu. I once had cold after I went to a hospital for a physical check that was rather intrusive. I'll let you guess. <laughs> anyway, I, I was sick for a couple of days after that. But who wouldn't get germs, you know, when they're poking around that part of your body for as far into it as they get, you know, and it's just stuff happens, right? So I understand getting a little bit of a cold from that. Plus, I was sedated and who knows what else, right? So my big fear was they're going to give me a COVID jab while I was under. They didn't because obviously I'm healthy and fine. Um, but uh, that was a fear. Um, that's still, that would be a fear anytime I I'd do any medical procedure. If I was out and they, uh, you know, some, some, uh, some do-gooding liberal wacko wanted to jab me when I wasn't looking. Yeah, that's possible. I wonder how often that happens, by the way. And then they list it as a, as a COVID jab and they get money for it. That'd be an interesting scandal. Talk to the, the gateway pundit folks about that. Anyway, it says on Thursday, who, the who, World Health Organization made a formal announcement on Thursday categorizing the B8.286 variant, a slightly mutated variant, as a variant under monitoring. <laughs> what the hell does that mean? This designation represents the lowest of the three levels of alert set by the global health body. Meanwhile, the so-called high-flying variants, EG.5 and XBB1.1.5 and XBB.1.6, <laughs> elevated to the status of variants of interest signaling a higher level of concern. So, <laughs> so there, there are variants under monitoring, variants of interest. What are the variants that are the most concerning to them? You know, the, the election variants? <laughs> I'm sorry. This, this, if it wasn't so tragic, it'd be funny. But it is, it is it's funny anyway. Yeah, it says here, among all current variants, only Omicron retains the classification of variant of concern, which is the WHO's most urgent level of alert. So why don't they say variant of alert, according to Fortune magazine? So here, the, here are the variant. So there's a variant of concern. That's the big one. A variant of interest. That's a little bit lower down. A variant under monitoring. <laughs> Those are the three classes. It's like prime choice and uh, select. You know, it's like your choice is a beef. Prime choice and select. Prime is a good stuff. Choice is second. Select is like, mm, okay. They all sound the same, don't they? <laughs> they do that on purpose. Anyway, and then it says, who has designated COVID-19 variant BA.2.86 as the variant under monitoring today due to its large number of, the large number of mutations it carries? What, has the Wuhan lab been busy turning out more variants? Or are they just coming from, naturally from people that got the, the COVID shot? So far, only a few sequences of the variant have been reported in, from a handful of countries. My, there are, they're accurately on this. The media is now pushing for another lockdown. Another fear porn from the so-called health experts and media just in time for the next election. Same old playbook. Yeah, see, they got the same conclusion I do. We all, we all think the same way. I mean, this, isn't, uh, this, this shouldn't be a surprise to anybody that this kind of stuff's going on. This is exactly what's going on. Same stuff once again. Uh, I want to play, play some fun here. I want to have a little fun before uh, CJ gets here. See if I have one of my, uh, one of my political pieces. What's uh? Let's do Odin and Chaz for. I'll let you listen to the. Uh, this is pretty. <laughs> this, is, this is kind of a fun one. So we should do we should do a little Brandon, and then we'll get into uh, the the Chaz one. Where's my Brandon? Biden's dark winter. Okay, here we go. Back in a few minutes. Joe Biden's dark winter. No freedom. No liberty. No guns. 
no representation. No oil, no coal, no nuclear power, no space force, no constitution, no family gatherings, no vacations, just taxes, work, misery, masks, lockdowns, and ever more government. This is what will happen if you let Marxists steal the election. This has been a public service announcement of Action Radio, reminding you it's time to get off your butt and save your country. Ah, Seattle, time to visit again, or for the first time. No matter how many times, you'll never forget this visit to Seattle. Watching the sun set on the West Coast, the guitarists on the street corners, people walking, hanging around the many cafes and art enclaves, just taking it all in. From Pike Place Market to the first Starbucks to the whales in Puget Sound and views of Mount Rainier, there is nothing like Seattle. And now you can watch the sunsets glistening off the broken glass in the streets, various styles of bottles used for Molotov cocktails, fashion statements made with creative body armor, the use of improvised weapons, the never-ending art forms painted on every building, particularly the man parts, and the beautiful sound of voices in unison expressing their fondest wishes and desires for your life and property. So how can you visit this enchanted never-never land of the Northwest during their summer of love? Snowflake Tours has teamed up with the Seattle Board of Economic Development, Tourism, and Riot Promotion to extend the warmest of welcomes to our latest attraction, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, affectionately known as Chaz. Soon to be called CHOP, but we like Chaz better. If you think Disneyland is a good time, it's nothing compared to Chaz. Chaz being an autonomous nation within the United States, protected by the Seattle mayor and city council, you can't just walk in like illegal aliens at our southern border. This is because there is a wall and guards openly carrying firearms in order to maintain the security of this new fledgling nation. So, there is a procedure to gain access. Snowflake Tours has made this an escorted tour for your safety, and so you'll be surrounded by people who look like you, White people will have an Antifa tour guide direct from their mommy's basement. But don't worry, they can protect you because they are fully indoctrinated and trained with the latest techniques of mayhem and street combat. Black people will be escorted by a member of Black Lives Matter. Fresh from riots across the country and funded by Amazon and other mega corporations, with their training and experience, you couldn't be in better hands. And of course, they speak black. Take in the wonders of Chaz while you are there. You can warm yourself by the burning book piles, Feel the camaraderie as you are swept up in a march or rally. Get a brief audience with our warlord, but not for too long, and be sure to make an offering. A blank check, signed, is preferred. Don't worry about the police. There aren't any, which is fine because there aren't any laws either. Businesses and attractions may not be there when you get there, depending on the needs of the people. The unique feature of this tour is that rather than enjoy the things that are already there, on this tour, it's what you bring to the table that counts. Money, supplies, there is a whole provision list of things like food, water, batteries, jewelry, and other commodities of exchange to choose from in donation to keep Chaz a people's paradise. On this vacation, you show up with full suitcases and leave with empty ones. That's what makes this tour so special. Chaz, a new nation, a new concept, coming to a liberal city near you. Oh, yeah, just taking a few minutes out for a little uh, political satire here after my incredible talk with uh, Chadwick Moore. 
uh, the author of Tucker. And we got CJ on the line right now. So uh, now I, I can stop talking. This is great. This is going to be so much fun. I get to listen for a little bit. So uh, let me bring her on. What is health? What does it take to stay healthy? We have a longer lifespan than 100 years ago. But is the quality of life any better? A hundred years ago, their food was better. They got more exercise. They weren't as fat. They didn't have preservatives, antidepressants, sugar in everything. And they didn't have vaccines. If you talk about alternative health care, people think of crystals, incense, strange candles, Ouija boards, notions, potions, lotions, and total hippies telling you to detox, man. So let's change our system of sick care into wellness. Let's get healthy. Let's lower our stress, stop taking in poisons, eat and drink organic, clean food. And let's have a chat with CJ, because this is CJ's Wellness Watch on Action Radio. Oh no, it looks like my mouse batteries are sick. I have to have new mouse batteries all the time. Now, I would get a wired one, but they don't seem to work as well. So uh, I have to replace my mouse batteries. Do you ever find that? Pain in the butt. How you doing, CJ? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I just told you. No, <laughs> actually, I'm fabulous. Um, I had uh, the most amazing chat. Uh, looks like we got Pianki on the on live chat with uh, Marco. Marco's in the Netherlands. Pianki's somewhere in the great state of Missouri, and uh, I'm here in Milton, Florida, and you're North Carolina, if I remember right. We're kind of all over the country and all over yeah. the world. Right. Typical situation. Yeah. Anyway, so I just had this amazing uh, discussion with uh, Chadwick Moore. And, and being shameless and, and, you know, trying to maximize my opportunities. I actually put it to him about um, Tucker writing a bill on the air uh, with me on the show. And so we'll see what happens. He's kind of intrigued with the idea. But the whole idea of, of uh, writing legislation, so why don't you do it? Why don't you write a bill first? Well, I'll show you how it all works. So it's, I don't know if you got a chance to listen, but this is in the, in the second hour. Uh, I only had him for 25 minutes, and uh, that, was, that, was a, that was the agreement with uh, the folks that brought him to me. Um, but we packed a lot into that 25 minutes, so I don't know if you got a chance to listen, but I'd be curious what you think. Marco likes it, so he thought he did a good job. So thanks for the thumbs up, Marco. Appreciate it. So what do you think? What if I'm on Tucker teaching Tucker how to write a bill and we do that on the air for 100 million people? Oh, my gosh. Like, that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, it would be amazing. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, like, I'm, that would be amazing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So all of, us, all of us would be a lot better. You better stick around because all of us are gonna, about to get a lot better known. A lot better known. <laughs> And that's, sure. that's the plan. That's the whole idea. In order for us to be effective, we need literally millions of people sending in bill links to Congress, to state legislatures, to all media, to pollsters, to uh, you know, local government, school boards, county commissions, and uh, city councils. That's how it's going to work. And if I was on that show with 100 million listeners, well, I wouldn't get that many. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? If we had Tucker writing a bill, how many listeners do you think? Wouldn't that be fascinating? It's never been done before. Broadcast oh, yeah. history. Yeah. Absolutely. Get the old I laptop mean, out I mean, there. Yeah. 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 Agreed. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. I think it would, I mean, yeah, exactly. It's almost like a comparison to, I hate to say this, but like Mike, Mike Lindell with some stuff. I mean, like you, you are getting well known on radio and like people with Tucker, mm-hmm. I mean, the mm-hmm. Tucker has whatnot and for him to write a bill with you, that would be huge. Yeah, it would. That's why I thought of it. <laughs> I, I'm sitting. I'm yeah. trying to be calm. I mean, I really am. But the potential, you know, and, and people don't understand this. This I, Action Radio started on a bike ride. 
It basically was an idea I had on a bike ride by San Francisco. You know, I'm riding along thinking, you know, talk radio. I want to be the world's greatest talk show host. And I'm thinking, uh, you know, talk radio. The problem with talk radio is they only talk. They never take any action. And so what we really need is action yeah. radio. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, uh-oh. And, and that was in 2014, and here we are. I'm now talking to the person mm. that wrote uh, the biography on Tucker, and he's going to take the message to Tucker. So it's already, wow. something's, in, something's in the works. Well, my other big idea, uh, I know we're off topic a little bit, but uh, my other big idea um, was, okay, good, well, thank you, <laughs> was that uh, Tucker hosted a discussion between Robert Kennedy and Donald Trump at the same time. They're both there at the table, all three of them, called the non-deep, called the non-deep state debate. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I thought so too. Yeah, you liked it too. So I, I, I definitely it. Hit, hit it out of the park today. Um, and so uh, I, I'm going to send the podcast to Chadwick. So he'll listen to us talking about our interview. <clears throat> I want him back because he was a really interesting guy. He's got his own journalistic background. He was on Tucker for quite a while. And I don't know if it, you know people have always talked about the, the book, but I don't know how many people have actually asked him about him. And I want to give him a chance to talk about him. And so hopefully that, uh, that got accomplished as well too because he's interesting. I mean, how did he get to write the book on Tucker? Well, apparently he was asked to do it, you know. So uh, we had a lot of revelations. I asked him about uh, Tucker being a throwback to real journalists. You know, his father was a journalist, and I, and I knew he had a big impact, so he talked about that too. That his father was, you know, like, uh, like Woodward and Bernstein, you know, all the president's men, Watergate. Uh, and so he's a, a unique journalist in a time when there aren't any journalists. They're, they're propagandists for the, the government um, or they're complainers. The conservative complainers are raising complaining to an art form on our side uh, and government propagandists on their side. And then in the middle of all that, doing something that used to be done well is Tucker Carlson being an actual journalist, asking tough questions. Did you see the interview last night? I, I you know, I wanted to see. I got to go back. My Internet and four or five houses in my neighborhood right in the same street, we lost Internet for four or five hours. And it was right during that time. So I was supposed oh. to do – I was going to – yeah, I was going to do an impromptu show last night, which I did do, but I couldn't even do it till like quarter of 11 last night because so, so I had no internet, so I couldn't get anything. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, oh, and it was only FBI four KGB. houses on my block. Huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, this is, was, well, I haven't invited the FBI KGB. This is one time when I should invite the FBI KGB to the show. <clears throat> Instead of just listening, guys, why don't you call in? 215-383-3832. We'll happily put you on the air. Do I have a choice? <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> But Tucker was blunt enough. He asked something I don't think I'd ever ask Donald Trump. And I want to get Donald Trump on the show. But he said, do you think they're going to try and kill you? And I'm like, what? I can't believe he asked that. Trump's like, well, that's possible. He says, there's been uh, definitely, I I think he sort of hinted there might have been some threats. Uh, But that's a real concern. Because the deep state, we pretty much know now that the CIA killed uh, John Kennedy and Robert Kennedy. And Christina Bob. When she was on the show, Trump's attorney said she wants Robert Kennedy in the Trump administration running the CIA to find out, give him access to all the CIA stuff. And so this would be this would be fascinating. So this is why I think Chadwick was really interested in the idea of Tucker hosting a Kennedy Trump discussion during the next Republican debate. That would make history, too. Yeah, there was. Yeah. So it's been 25 minutes. Yeah. So that's what I did this morning. What did you do this morning? (laughs) Well, I've been playing catch-up. Yeah, okay. right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's funny. I was <laughs> right before I got on. I was actually peeling carrots and you know doing all the things, getting ready to make some juice and some potion and all the things. So. <laughs> okay. 
So those but, are going to CJ's no, regular I, routine. I, we have been through it, but uh, we, we should do it like once yeah. a month ago. What, what, how, and see, if, especially if the routine changes from the apple cider vinegar and washing your strawberries and baking soda and whatever else goes on. I know. I'm ready to come visit. You'll really get a rude awakening. <laughs> oh, that's true, yes. Yeah, we're, we're going to do a show from your place. Yeah, it's going to be funny. That's going to be great. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, honestly, so I've been playing a lot of um, honest-to-goodness catch-up because I've had new internet, but, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure, you know, you've had people talking about this, and the the big buzz since we've had on the last show is obviously everybody getting a little – I don't like using the word because I don't like to proclaim anything, but, you know, everybody getting a little angst or on edge about all this new crap coming down the road close to election and, you know, all the threats and all the election COVID. That's a good term. We're going to call it, we're going to call it the election. We're going to call it the COVID election variant. Hang on. I'm going to write that down. COVID COVID election variant. Oh, that's perfect. Thank you, CJ. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, I'm taking a deeper dive into some things that I already know about because, again, you know, I'm not the science person. Like, I know how things work on the surface. I know why they mm-hmm. work. I know what puts them up. I don't know all the, all the chemistry and all the details, you know. Uh, 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 I, I don't know all that. So I'm digging into more about that so I can attempt to educate and learn more about the deep details. But here recently, I've actually, the biggest thing, that I have been talking to people about and encouraging them to do their own research mm-hmm. on and to maybe be more proactive just in case is using all different types of therapy regarding hydrogen peroxide, different okay. ways, different, different solutions, you know, whether you put it in a spray bottle and you can actually use, um, you can get, you know, food grade peroxide or you can just get the brown peroxide that's 87 cents. You can put it in a little plastic spray bottle that you can get at the dollar store, and you can actually just spray it as a mist. Don't, like, drink it, drink it, but, <clears throat> excuse me, spray it as a mist and inhale it, like, six pumps. And it's better to do that just with the straight brown peroxide, and nobody's going to tell you that because everybody wants you to use food grade, but either will either will do the job, but you can use the 87-cent peroxide and get the similar effect that you would, like, in a nebulizer and just doing that on a routine basis during this time as we're going into the fall doing that once a day or every other day you know so and doing it very cheap like I said going somewhere buying a box of the peroxide for 87 cents to a dollar and getting a little spray bottle from the dollar store and just spritzing it you know in the back almost like if you you know the old chloroseps stuff it's numb your numb your throat if you had a sore throat or whatever kind of just mist and spray like that and inhale and so Mm -hmm. The big buzz topics have been different ways to use hydrogen peroxide as we all kind of scurried to learn about it during that whole first COVID thing with nebulizers and the whole nine yards. But starting now, um, and it's funny because I have the stuff sitting right here on my counter, and that's one of the things I'm going to teach my daughter how to do on her own today. Are you, you going to be so nebulizing? What's a, what's a nebulizer? Yeah, so <laughs> this sounds like a space thing. I'm, have you had the? Uh, yeah, the it's like the neuralizer yeah. from uh, from um, Men in Black. Uh, you got the uh, nebulizer. Okay, fine. Here, put the sunglasses on. <laughs> right, right. Hold your so, eyes. Okay, fine. Know, some, One more time. There's some things that I'm teaching. Exactly. I'm going to teach her how to use. What you is know, it? in case she needs to help me, or you know, whatever. So the biggest things right now 
is mm-hmm. hydrogen peroxide, phototherapy, and liposomals, which we've talked about liposomals before, i.e. kind of like IV therapies for different things, which we've had Igna on, and I just talked with Igna yesterday. In fact, I actually talked with um, Dr. Judy Mikovits yesterday as well. Um, is that Judy? Oh, she's, yeah, she's my talked- bud. Yeah, I talked to Judy yesterday, and I'm actually talking, I think it's Dr. Tracy today. Was that an um, interview, or are you guys just chatting? No, we were just chatting about some different some different things. Um, Very cool. Yeah, but my point is um, I've been learning just very recently about mm-hmm. some alternative liposomal. Spell um, that. What, what is that? L-I-P-O, liposomal, S-O-M-A-L. Liposomal versus S- S- IV Sam? therapy. Somo. That's Sam or S yes. and Sierra? So, okay. Yeah, yeah. So right. liposomal has to do with absorption, right? Doing IV therapy, you know, which goes right into your body. We've talked about that many times for people going and getting glutathione, getting all the things via IV. But there are some individuals, for cost reasons, can't do that, right? So there's – and I just learned that there is a new – well, not Lewis. It's been around for a while, but new mm-hmm. to this world. Um, liposomal mm-hmm. nutrition that mm-hmm. is 90% absorbed right away as comparison to 100% with IV therapy. So if people can't go get IV therapy using liposomal um, nutritional immune and a couple things that absorb right away into the bloodstream and they're actually in the the PDR which is the physician desk, desk reference and you know I'm not a drug pusher obviously at all. These are all natural and these natural products are in the physician desk reference which is huge and so I'm just learning about different ways like right now to be prepared for potentially what's coming and so I would say those three those three things, the hydrogen peroxide, IV therapy versus liposomal, which is more cost-effective for people to do at home, those three things this week since we've had our last conversation have been, have been the biggest buzz things for me to start educating people on so that they can make their own decisions and have the appropriate things in their home, you know, i.e., again, why I'm going to go over, again, the nebulizer with my daughter today. She starts actually, um, you know, I homeschool, and so tomorrow she actually starts her homeschool co-op. So she'll be going okay. to a church once a week, you know, with a bunch of other kids. And so um, I'm doing all the things with her. You know, she's taking her cardio miracle. I'm taking my cardio miracle. She's, she's, do- she's doing all the things in the morning. You should see what I have lined up for this child in the morning. It's hysterical. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, <laughs> listen, your routine is hysterical <laughs> enough. I can only imagine how you torture your kid with uh, wellness. Yep. It's like an assembly line. Did you take this? Did you take this? <laughs> yes, mom. Yes, mom. Uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, and and also using um, a lot of photo phototherapy that goes right into right into the skin. Phototherapy benefits as far as increasing stem cells and increasing collagen and things like that in the thing. So phototherapy it just produces a lot of health benefits. So I'm actually having her use those as well um, because it absorbs right into the bloodstream right right away. So hmm. those have been the biggest things that I'm 
like I said, educating individuals on both on my podcast, individually, family, friends, on shows, clients, things like that right now to take into consideration and to consider making sure that they have in their toolbox, you know, moving into the fall and winter with all this stuff that's being put, thrown in our face again. Well, I got a question for you. I'm just writing down here. Immunity is defense against mandates. Okay, because we know the mandates are bogus. We know that uh, this is the, uh, the, I love this, the line, the, the COVID election variant. Because <laughs> we're going to start yeah, calling I it now, that. right? Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. That's, that's so good. That's a, I love that. Yeah, so this is. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't fun. love it, but you know what I mean. That's a great. Oh no, no. You it. you thought of it. I just I think I, I just rearranged it a little bit, but I uh, appreciate the help. But uh, we're, but immunity. So the one thing that was left out that I never understood uh, from the whole debate. Um, also, did you get my? I don't know if I sent it to you directly or it's on my Facebook page. I made a video March twenty first of twenty twenty, explaining that the whole government response was a hoax. It was illegal. It was unconstitutional. They can't do any of this. And this is two weeks before the – no, this is right in the middle of the 15 days to slow the spread. Did you ever get that video? Oh. No, I did not. It's a good resistance one. Okay, I'll, I'll have to put, send my resistance video. Yeah, it's on my Facebook page, folks. Uh, it's actually uh, – it's, 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 it's one of the feature posts. If anybody goes to the Action Radio video page, it's right there in the top in the featured stuff, me and my white and blue shirt. Uh, but I call it the resistance huh. video because all the stuff that uh, they did then that I said was illegal, they're going to try and do it again three years later. Mm-hmm. So you can share that. Maybe you can, you can play that. You can play it on your in your show. I don't care. Um, yeah. But the but immunity. The one thing that I never understood. And I asked Judy Mike about this, about this too. I said they've never tested for immunity. I said how can you give a, a jab, a COVID shot to somebody to supposedly give them immunity uh, from the the COVID, uh, you know, variants and all this stuff like that if you've never tested if they already unless they already have immunity. How can you in good conscience? I mean, you know, first first rule, Hippocratic oath, do no harm. Why would you give somebody an unnecessary jab if they're already immune. It's like treating right. for something, treating people for things they don't have. Why would you get cancer treatment? It's like giving chemotherapy to somebody, which is bad anyway. It's probably a bad example. But uh, why would somebody's leg contraction is perfectly healthy? That would be stupid. You know, why would you why would you give cough medicine to kids who aren't coughing? You know, why would you do, why would you give people a COVID jab to people that already have immunity? That makes no sense to me. Right. So right. is immunity a strategy? And how do you determine COVID immunity? Because the PCR test doesn't work. So what's a good way for us to determine immunity so we can, say, so we can raise the middle finger to all the government officials and say, I'm already immune. Should we have immunity cards? Should we have some kind of uh, uh, a declaration yeah. online? You know, mark safe from COVID because of my immunity? Oh, I need to write that one down too. Where do you find those marked safe flags? Right. That's a good question. That's a really good question, actually. Because some of them are really pretty funny. So I'm going to put Mark safe hmm. from COVID. Well, I don't remember you know, if it was. Because of immunity. It was, yeah. I don't think it was during our conversation. I think it was somebody else that I was speaking to. So I, I forgive me because you and I both talked to so many people. It's hard to remember who I told what to. But, oh, believe, I understand um, that. I, I, listen, I do a talk show. So do you. I understand. Trust I, me. Yeah. Yeah. So my... Um, we, if, if I've already said this on the show, please stop me. But my, so we went to a wedding last weekend. Did I tell you about that or the weekend before? Can I, remember? I think so, but you, you, can, you can talk about it again. You can recap, especially if it's new recap. news. But anyway, no, you were talking about the PCR test. And my, my point is, I think there are people that are awake on different levels. That's my opinion. So, right? 
So, like, I have a lot of family members who are awake to the false government. They don't think Biden is real. They know Obama's calling the shots. Like, they're awake to certain things, right? Mm -hmm. So we were at um, a wedding, and um, lots of people at the wedding got, I don't want like, mildly sick. Sniffles, runny nose, a little bit of a sore throat, blah, 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 uh-huh. blah. My right. daughter got a runny nose. You know, no fever, nothing like that. Just, you know, a little bit of not. Was not it like, say, uh, a week later or two weeks later or something or what? Oh, when did no, no, about three or four days later. And okay. so, but anyway, my point is mm-hmm. my mother found out about it. And um, I don't know if I told her or my daughter told her, you know, Grandma, I have the sniffles or whatever. I was at a wedding. Maybe I caught. Well, anyway, she's like, well, you need to have her test. You need to have her test. I was like, Mom. I'm not tested for her. what? Like exactly, but she still thinks, oh, COVID. And I'm like, Mom, there's no such thing. I'm not testing her. I would. I'm like, I'm just gonna give her the stuff that I know to give her, and she's gonna be all right. You know. Do you know, almost and almost it, no kids have died not. of COVID. I mean, none. You know, yeah, well, people just, people yeah. under twenty, you know, they get it. They don't even know they have it. They get over it, and then they're immune. It's actually better right. for kids to get COVID. Because then you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Right. Huh. Right. So it, 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 just, fear. it really upset me. Yeah. Really upset yeah. me when she said that. You know, yeah. and, and that's so my point in saying that is, again, you know, really the tests don't work and you need to be, you know, you just need to treat whatever, you know. And and I, I, um, I fluctuate back and forth with this because I've researched it and I've seen different thoughts on this topic, but if somebody has a fever, you know, there are two thoughts. Right. Give them something natural to bring down the fever or mm-hmm. let them sweat it out and let the fever run its course because that means your body is doing its job, right? Mm-hmm. Get rid of whatever. So there's, there's really are two, in my opinion, legitimate on that, you know, and how far do you let it go and, and what do you do before you treat as far as a temperature goes? Okay, and so, you know, but with my daughter, you know, she didn't have a temperature. She didn't have this. I, it just really ticked me off that my mother said that. So she's awake, but she's not awake when she comes to, you know, that. that. And I think, honest to goodness, that's the old school nurse in her because she was a nurse. So it's one of those things sometimes you can't teach an old dog new tricks, you know. And <laughs> she's, 80, she's going to be 80 years old in, in, a, in like a year. And, um to the best of my knowledge, I mean, she's, she's fairly healthy and fit. She plays tennis. She plays pickleball. She golf. She, you know, she's a very active 79, 78-year-old, almost, you know, 80-year-old lady. Uh-huh. Good. So, but, but there are some things you just can't change people's mind on because it's been ingrained to them, you know, for uh-huh. so, so, I mean, decades. Yeah, vaccines know, are good. <laughs> Doctors know what they're doing. What, what are some of the other myths out there? Yeah. Well, and like I said, it you know it, it's interesting because one of um, one of the one of my good friends who is an internal medicine doctor, he's hmm? all he's he knows the place that drugs have, which can be good. Which I agree. There's a, we've had this conversation. You know, there's a time and a place for certain things. Absolutely, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. But most of the time, there are other things that you can do first that will more than likely take care of issues before going to a pharmaceutical route, even though there is a time and place for that, and we both know that. So 
she has been very open to phototherapy, to the PDR um, products as, that are natural, you know, and liposomal. He's been very open to utilizing with his patients and his colleagues, exposing them to other options versus just writing a prescription, you know, right, right away. And I have had to talk with him and kind of bend his ear a little bit to help educate him because, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's in his fifth, but he's, you know, he's been taught a certain, certain way. And now he's starting to open up his mind to, hey, yeah, maybe there, there are some other things. And I think part of the reason why, and this is just CJ's, um, I think one of the reasons why his mind has opened, and again, we're really good friends, and he did take the Pfizer vaccine, first and second shot before he knew better. And he regressed it because he's one of the ones at the beginning, I think it was two years ago, maybe he got it. Um, and like I said, right now to this day, it doesn't mean six months from now, right? Right now to this day, he's fine, you know, physically that we know of, you know, as far as functioning, all that stuff goes, you know. He should um, have no a D-dimer pers- test, though. He needs a D-dimer test for blood clots. Uh, one of my friends, exactly. Karen, and who, I think uh, he's done that. You know, yeah. Did they find anything? Well, but my point is he had an adverse reaction to the second second shot of Pfizer. And I think uh-huh. that's part of the reason, and again, this is just my opinion, part of the reason why he is so open to other forms of therapies and suggestions first before just throwing somebody on a drug. And he has said he has had so many people come to him for certain challenges, health challenges, and he'll say, well, I can do this, I can run this test, I can get you on this drug. And the patients will actually say, no, I want to do what's something else holistic that I can do first, and then he actually refers them to me. He's like, well, that's mm. not my wheelhouse, but let me connect you <laughs> with these Yeah, those are the regular drugs, that- yeah. 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 Well, let me ask you this work, about, uh, yeah. yeah, the second jab is far worse than the first jab. The boosters are far worse, far worse than the second jab. Each successive shot is, is further poisoning and further destroying of your immune system and the further increasing of spike proteins, increasing of uh, blood clots, increasing crossing the blood-brain barrier, increasing all the nasty things that happen. And so my question is, if this is a um, – and I was talking to this with, I think, Karen Strong yesterday, Moderna. Uh, I was talking to somebody. Uh, oh, I know who it was. Anyway, yeah, different conversation. Uh, Moderna, you know, the company that makes the vaccine, the jab, stands yeah. for, for modern – or, or modified uh, RNA. That's where Moderna comes from. So that's what they did. They've been doing, that was the whole reason for, for existing. They started doing this back in 2010. So they've had, you know, they had 10 years of practice, you know, making their, uh, their COVID jab before, uh, before they engineered the, the virus to, uh, you know, go be compatible with the, the, the COVID jab. I think that, I think they kind of work together, but uh, that's another story anyway. But the point is that if you, you're taking a shot that teaches your body how to make you know, spike proteins allegedly to uh, improve your immune system, but we know better now. Why would you need more of it? If it's already in your body, trillions of spike proteins, you know, to uh, teach your body how to make spike proteins and how to make immunity, why would you need more of it? Why would you need an an extra shot and then two boosters? Because it's exactly the same thing as the first time. So the first shot should go to all your cells and teach your body how to make, you know, anti-COVID stuff. So why would you ever have needed a second shot? That never made sense to me. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it, I, I have no idea. Well, wait a minute. But, you know, uh, why? Why would they do that, do you think? Unless they were just stupidity. trying to sell the product. What's that? I've had, you know, poor decision-making, right? 
Yeah, but well, wait a minute. If, but if it teaches your body how to do something, why would you need more of it? Because this is going to go through your, the first shot is going to go through your entire body and teach your body how to you know make the spike proteins. Why would you need a booster? Why would you need a second shot? That doesn't make sense unless the first one wears off. And if it wears off, it's not any good. You've gotten the first shot anyway. So why would you need a second right. shot? See what I'm saying? Right. That doesn't yeah, make sense. Yeah, no, I, I okay. totally agree with you. Hmm. Totally agree with you. Yeah, but I so you know the point I was making was I I I think that that is why. That is why he has been more open to other things. You know okay. what I mean? So that that's that's good. I find that there are some medical internal medicine doctors that are opening their mind more so now to alternative methods than not. Is he gonna test for immunity? Pardon me? Is he gonna test for immunity before he treats anybody for COVID? Or or does, is he gonna give COVID jabs? Does he give COVID no, I injections? I, I need if, to ask if, him about that. Really what if he's ordered to by his hospital or doctor's office to give COVID shots? Good question. You know, he works for our practice, but he can open up his own practice as well. So okay. that's something that he and I have actually talked about it. Huh. So I don't know. Those are good questions for me to um, ask. ask. Because the COVID shot's not under, it's kind of in a weird place. It's not under the emergency use authorization because that was canceled. But it's mm-hmm. not approved. It's not approved either, except comorbidity or whatever that variant that uh, they have. But they never made that one. So True. all the stock, and this hasn't been really reported in the news, so the entire stock of COVID jabs at this point is not under an emergency declaration. So they're not authorized. And they're not approved. So how do right. you mandate them? Unless they redeclare the emergency. Right. Yeah. Okay, just curious. Right. We're about to find you, out, I think. You know me. I always ask the questions nobody knows the answer to. That's my job. Yep. <laughs> I want to tell everybody, too. There's a book. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, I have it. And it talks a lot about and it's it's a pretty small book um it's called the one minute cure i don't know if anybody's heard of this book and no very it's very good and it talks a lot in depth and in details about hydrogen peroxide and um the most effective intervention for those battling COVID. i mean it's it's a very good good book i'm in the midst of combing through it again and it's about so I've got it sitting right here beside me, hold on. It's about hundred and forty pages. So it's not it's not and it's a it's got large print and it's a really good book. So I highly suggest it's by Madison Cavanaugh. Madison Cavanaugh. So not name I'm familiar with hundred and forty pages is like an opening chapter for me, but you know, I write a lot. Yeah, so it's called The One-Minute Cure, The Secret to Healing Virtually Any Disease. And, again, there's a lot of different things in here, but it does strongly highlight and talk a lot about hydrogen peroxide. And that's, huh. that's the what biggest thing. What is hydrogen thing. peroxide? What is and it? And ozone hydrogen peroxide. Um, what is it? What I'm is hydrogen here. peroxide? I know. What is hydrogen peroxide? Oh, okay. We'll vamp. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Do, well, do, it's, 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 do, 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 do
comes in different forms and, and mixtures. Again, that's where you get into a lot of the science of, but it's, it's Wait a an minute. effective. We, we can do this just a basic chemistry. All right, so H2O is water. So H2O2 right. is water with an extra O. Right. So instead of uh, an oxygen atom with two hydrogen atoms on it making a water molecule, H2O, this is, a, this is two oxygen atoms with two hydrogen atoms making a, a molecule of hydrogen peroxide. Per, I guess, means double or extra or something like that. So it's hydrogen with yeah, extra it oxygen. Two, yeah, it contains two hydrogen atoms and two oxygen atoms. So okay. it makes it highly reactive and available huh. to function as an oxidizing treatment. So its oxidizing properties are one of the reasons why hydrogen peroxide is, is very effective in treating a wide range of health issues. So okay. and, most, and you can use cleaning. I mean, it's such a very inexpensive way to do multiple things. And like I said, you can use food grade peroxide or just the brown 89 cents peroxide for different things. And most people think that you have to have food grade, which I have both here in my home. What's the difference between a food grade and uh well, I think of hydrogen peroxide, that's what the blue hairs, you know, the, the, the women that were, uh, you know, school cafeteria workers way back when they used to use it in their hair and turned to blue, they call them the blue hairs. <laughs> you don't remember that? You're probably too young for that. But we had blue hairs. <laughs> they were everywhere. Pianki remembers blue hairs. <laughs> He's listening right. online. Uh, but that's hydrogen but, peroxide. So why? So what? What changed? So that's that's hair grade. Exactly. And then there's that's like a food grade. What's the difference? I just don't want you. I What's think, the difference? I think my. I think they don't want you to know that you can just use the brown peroxide instead of spending the extra money on the quote-unquote food grade that comes in the big white and blue bottle. And it has to do, say, you need as far as a dilution of solutions. You know, so typically if you go and buy, if you go, and I mean, I did this. I did this, and I have it. So when you go buy a nebulizer on Amazon, Walmart, CVS, wherever you go, right? Which is what? It's going to say. You haven't told me what a nebulizer is. Huh? You haven't told me what a nebulizer is yet. It's a device that you can use to put in hydrogen peroxide and a chloride solution to mix it that you can inhale. It's another device for inhalation. Wait a minute. Peroxide's a base and chlorine, I guess that's a base also. Are are we mixing bad chemicals? I know if you mix mix bleach and and, uh, chlorine bleach uh, and a base uh, and ammonia, you get mustard gas. (laughs) So I guess you've got to be careful what you're mixing here. Are these both bases or both, uh, I guess, um, again, you know, high school chemistry. You can't mix bleach and ammonia. So is ammonia the base or is ammonia the acid? I forgot which is which. Anyway, they're all just pH. Okay, so this is something. So, but you can mix chlorine and hydrogen peroxide. I'm just curious how. It's a you know, sodium. It's a sodium chloride solution. It's a well, sodium salt. chloride. That, okay, so that's that salt. Yeah, correct. Yeah. All right, that that's you're different. Supposedly supposed that's a stable to mix. compound. Right. That you're supposedly supposed to mix with the food-grade hydrogen peroxide that's 3%. But you can also get, like I said, you can buy expensive food grades in the big bottle, which is about 32 fluid ounces, or you can buy 87-cent dollar store peroxide in a, in a, in a, brown, in a brown bottle. Well, but what's so the concentration in a brown bottle? That's got to be more concentrated, though, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. 
It is. So you, you asked about what the difference is. It's the dilution process. It's the dilution. So that's why well, that's when, if you're using... Hmm? That's just water. You're just adding water to it. Right. That's how you dilute it. Right. right. Okay. Okay. So that's why they don't want you to know that you can use regular brown, brown bottle peroxide. Because if you're misting it, it's not like you're pouring peroxide into your mouth and drinking it. You're spraying a light mist into the back of your mouth and inhaling it. It's a, like I said, compare it to the old um, chloroseptic stuff we used to throw, you know, spray in our throats to numb our throats when you had a sore throat, if you ever used to do that. Chloroseptic, huh, yeah. I just use Ricola's myself. Ricola. Sorry. So it has to do a lot with the solution, you know, and Mm. the dilution of it, okay? Mm. But it's, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's funny because if you, if you look up why H2O2 is an effective remedy, they actually compare it as to one of the most effect, effective household, household remedies next to apple cider vinegar. So if you have apple cider vinegar and peroxide in your house, you can do just about anything between like a medicine cabinet. cleaning the <laughs> Well, I, mean, I used to have to keep the yeah. uh, brown bottle around for, for cuts and things. You just, you just pour it directly on a cut. Turns nice and foamy white and cleans out all the infections and it's it's fine. Right. So I mean, and that's a good podcast actually, you know, to do. I mean, if you have those two brown bottles, like a big thing of Bragg's apple cider vinegar and a big thing of brown bottle hydrogen peroxide in your house or a couple bottles of each, you can do a lot of things. A lot so of things. Drink drink the vinegar and wear the peroxide, that. right? Isn't that kinda of how it works? Yeah. Okay. I mean, and, and you can even, like, I have a spray bottle with hydrogen peroxide that not every, I'm going to be honest, not every time, but after I shower or bathe a couple times a week, I will use that spray bottle all over, normally my torso, you know, where most of your organs are, and I'll just spray my body down with peroxide. I've got a great so, visual right now, but fortunately this is radio. Anyway, go oh. ahead. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. I stumped the guest. Yeah, made her speechless. Okay, anyway, you said it. I just, you know, but I'm just following along. I mean, those two things. Yes, ma'am. I mean, an apple cider vinegar is brown, right? I mean, like a brownish right. orange, whatever. And uh-huh. a peroxide in a brown bottle. If you have those two things in your household, there are so many things that you can do and so many benefits and so many, you yeah. know, between your cleaning, between, you know, ingesting, between using it on your bodies, between, I mean, there's so many things. And so those would be, you know, I'm just thinking through this as we're talking. Those would be two very inexpensive things that I would highly recommend people to have a couple bottles of each mm-hmm. in their home and do their own research. Look up how you can use them. Look up what you can do with them. You know? I wonder, so, uh, yeah. Uh, I want to talk about COVID immunity for a bit here too, so I want to make sure we we finish up on this because I'm going to kind of go over strategy here in the the last 20 minutes or so. I got I got a question and some things. All right, so if we wanted to, I still think immunity is the key to this. So if we can get an immunity card or immunity certification to kind of throw in the government's face, we shouldn't have to, but these are the times we live in. Um, so what can people do to really boost? 
uh, immunity, not just to COVID, but any virus. I mean, we've got the, we should probably go over the basics again. But if the government is saying that they want to lock us all down, they want to lock down the healthy people, they want to take away our exercise, they want to take away our beaches, they want to take away our schools, they want us wearing masks that don't work, they want us keeping a six-foot distance when a sneeze can go over 200 feet, they want to do all these absurd things. What if we just say, if we have like an immunity exemption, say, if I'm immune, I don't have to do any of that stuff. Wouldn't that be interesting? It would be, but again, how, how, what's your form of proof? I don't have the answer to that question. That's what I'm asking you. So if you have a, now when you take the old PCR test, which we know doesn't work, is there a test that shows you've had, I guess it's a COVID antibody test, right? Shows that you've had COVID. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. Okay. And does it show if you had COVID? Okay. Uh So that originally that those antibodies only lasted for so long because don't we know people that, you know, I hate even using the word COVID, right? Because we can't tell the difference between strains or viruses. But I know people who have gotten sick more than once and they they say it was COVID or they say it was the same thing. Do they have a COVID jab? Mm, That's a good question. I would say yeah. some yes, See, if some you, no. If you don't know, but some no. their but, status. No, my okay. girlfriend, who's a naturopath, she was sick a couple of times, and she never took it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you so, know, yeah. I mean, people, if you people are – now, is she that. susceptible to viruses in general? Does she get more colds than other people, for example? No. Mm-mm. Okay. All right. No. Well, maybe but it was, yeah, maybe right. it was a variation. I don't know. Yeah. But I don't think okay. the antibody tests are – you take an antibody test, which a lot of people did, you know. Right, and, right. But who's to say how long those antibodies last or don't last? Well, here's, how, here's what I think how your immune system works, if I remember. And I could be wrong. But as I understand it, the, um, the immune system doesn't, it's not active for everything you've ever had. But what it does is it creates a memory. There's like a genetic or a, or a chromosome, whatever it is. Yeah, it's a genetic memory of everything that your body fights. So it's not constantly on, you know, three alarm fire alert status. It rests the immune system. But if it, if a virus comes in that looks similar to, like if you get a COVID variant, my body immediately gets rid of it because I've been exposed to all the COVID variants because I've always been out in public. I've never sheltered myself from anything. I do, I do a lot of public stuff. Um, and I've been fine ever since I had COVID originally. So whatever, whenever I got the first strain of COVID, beginning of January 2020, I've never been so healthy. I haven't had anything except one time I got a cold when I had to do a hospital, you know, procedure inspection test thing. You know, anyway. Um, but other than that, and that was a cold that lasted maybe three days. That's an it in three years. But I usually get wow. a couple of colds in the wintertime. I don't get colds anymore. I usually, you know, I, I occasionally would get flu in my youth. Like once every couple of years, I get a really bad flu bug up until I was about maybe 25, 26. That doesn't happen anymore. So my immune system is working really well. But here's the thing. That's awesome. I, but no one's ever studied if you, have COVID, if you got COVID initially and you treated it, you didn't do the remdesivir or ventilator thing, if you survived that. Um, I have friends that didn't. Um, or if you, uh, you, know, you didn't take the jab and you're just naturally healthy, do we have, is there a way to test for immunity? Again, because your body doesn't, it's not always on you know, three alarm fire status. It rests, otherwise you'd go crazy. You'd, be, you'd have like an autoimmune disease, right, where your body thinks that you're always infected with something, and it actually, like lupus, it actually ends up destroying your body because your immune system goes crazy. 
So the immune system has like a, it's like sleep on computer, you know, and then uh-huh. you turn your computer on, it goes to work. Well, your immune system is kind of the same way, isn't it? It's got like a sleep function. So it kind of rests. Mm. And th- then when your body detects another COVID, which it probably does every day, you know, another COVID bug comes in and go, oh, I know what this is, kills it, goes back to sleep. <laughs> you know, I mean, isn't that how it works or no? Am I ever got this completely wrong? No, I mean, I think so. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So if that's but, the case, you know, then we could be immune to COVID, but it wouldn't have active antibodies because, unless we have COVID actively in our system, but we would still be immune to it. So my question is, is there a way to test for, you know, sleeping COVID immunity, relaxed immunity, where it's there because you've been exposed, but it's not, it's only active when your body encounters another variant, like the, uh, the COVID election variant. <laughs> that's going on Facebook right. right after the show, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm wondering. What do you think? Yeah, that's a good question. Very good question. I, 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 that's something I'd have to think. I mean, I don't know. Okay, write down for next week. You know, I, uh, yeah. I just keep asking. I just keep asking the questions, <laughs> but I'm not the expert either. So you know, as I have all you wonderful folks helping me. Yeah. By the way, it's not just you. That's... Everybody gets questions. Everybody that's on the show gets questions like this. Because I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, I think they're great. Questions. No, thank you. You know. Well, yeah, we'll see if we can find out. And, of course, you don't have to have an answer right away, and some of these things can't be answered. Some of these things are designed that the, the impact is the question itself. Because the one thing they never talk about with COVID is natural immunity. They never talk about that. So that's why I'm curious. I'm always curious about what's not being talked about. It's like Pianki and I were talking yesterday about the chef uh, that died, strangely, around the Obama compound. Yeah, and, uh, how that happened exactly. Well, you know, we, we, they call it Martha's Vineyard. We call it Mighty Whitey Island. You call it what? Mighty Whitey Island. <laughs> okay. <laughs> have you heard the expression, it's mighty white of you? I have well, not. You've never heard that? Oh, okay. <laughs> I think it's a northern I thing. Have you never heard the expression, it's mighty white of you? Maybe they don't say it in the south because they're more race, race conscious down here. But, yeah, if, if you do something that, that I guess they're expected or whatever, I forget where it comes from. You know, you, whatever you do, someone says, that's mighty white of you. In other words, you're behaving like a white person. Uh, it's hysterical. So Martha's Vineyard is probably one of the whitest places on the planet, except for the Obama compound, where everybody's black. At least we think so, including the health. Okay. So, uh, well, Obama, we're not quite sure about. <laughs> the jury's still out on him. Um, but uh, but, that, but that, that's why I call it Mighty Whitey Island, because they didn't want anybody there of a minority status who had a skin color. So they removed all those people and shipped them off to an army base. Remember that? Yes. Okay. So that's yeah. when I started calling it Mighty Whitey Island. There shall be no races tolerant here except the, the Mighty Whiteys. <laughs> the Mighty Whiteys. Yeah, yeah. That's fun. That is too We funny. should make a T-shirt on that. I should make a Martha's Vineyard, Mighty Whitey Island. I'll, I'll talk to, uh, we have a graphic artist on, on uh, part of our group here. <laughs> I kind of like nice. that. Mighty Whitey Island. I'd wear a T-shirt. Mighty Whitey Island. <laughs> Don't mind me. I'm having fun. So, you know, I mean, uh, all politics, health, they all kind of merge together. Hmm. Huh. Yeah. You know, so would you care? Go ahead. Squirrel on you, but it's interesting how we're um, how we're we've been talking about hydrogen peroxide, you know, and all the things, and there's also zeolite that you can actually use after. What's that? Well, if you use zeolite, um, it, it zeolite's made out of a similar compound, but huh. okay, I'm squirreling here. When, I, when we went on the phone, it's funny how something popped up on my phone that I've been looking at. Um, 
about borax and borax being a part of the hydrogen peroxide discussion. And as long as you mix, yeah, when you mix borax is mixed with the water, some mm-hmm. of the molecules actually turn to hydrogen peroxide. So borax is a naturally occurring um, element, I believe, in uh, in the ground somewhere, and it's it's used like in laundry detergent. It's, it's, it's a whitener, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, and it's funny. Yeah, and you can also use a, you put it in your bath too, as far as a detox bath. And don't quote me on this. I don't want anybody to come back and say, "Oh, CJ said this." <laughs> there. I mean, you're, I on, think you're on a talk I show, read... so I mean, we are. Yeah, I know. Well, things. I'm gonna I'm <laughs> gonna say it, but these are these are not my words. I don't know this to be true because I have okay. not done my research on this, mm-hmm. but I have been told, I have seen that you can ingest borax cures and to? things like that. I don't know which, um, uh. like the compounds are mixing it with what, but it's almost like the same thing with, you know, nobody will tell you in the medical world that you can rinse your mouth out with peroxides. Don't swallow the peroxide, but you can gargle with peroxide you know you don't need to go buy expensive or Food you know <laughs> heavily diluted i would think you know i mean i gargle with peroxide oh i mean several times a week i gargle with oh. peroxide and spit it out so does that make you kissable again, i am okay good just want to check kissable. okay yeah yeah so good but, to know but again borax here we go Okay, I got I got the the WebMD thing. They have a thing on borax, a powdery derived substance. Yeah. Well, that could be cocaine. <laughs> Known as sodium borate, so it's a salt. Sodium tetraborate, which means four times the amount of borate. Disodium tetraborate, which means two sodium atoms. It's widely used as a household cleaner and a booster for laundry detergent. Well, I got that right. It's a combination of boron, sodium, and oxygen. Borax is found in dry lake beds in places like California's Death Valley. I told you, yeah, in the ground there, where water evaporated and left behind deposits of minerals. Boric acid is made from the same chemical compound as borax. It even looks like it. But while borax is commonly used in cleaning, boric acid is mainly used as a pesticide. Well, that's interesting. Boric acid kills insects by targeting their stomachs and nervous systems. That sounds horrible. Both borax and boric acid. Oh, boric acid, that's what ants carry. That's the, that's the acid that ants have in their body, right? Boric acid? Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah, because they probably eat the minerals when they build their homes. So they, they build those ant nests. They take borax into the system. That's how they make boric acid from it. Betcha, betcha. Boric acid in loose powder form can be harmful if swallowed. Don't do that. Particularly for children. Don't do that. It can also irritate your skin. Hmm. It's also used in toothpaste and mouthwashes. There you go. Cosmetics. Paint and ceramic glaze and herbicides. <laughs> so the same stuff that they're using in toothpaste is also used to kill plants and bugs. I find that interesting. <laughs> okay, so there's borax. So, so here's an article, and um, there's an article before it that it's not coming up, but I'm just going to read this to you because it just popped up on my phone. Okay. Um, let me see. There was a hydrogen peroxide. A suggested schedule for your hydrogen peroxide therapy. I can pull this up, see if I can send it to you. Each dose, we're talking about hydrogen peroxide here. Each dose takes less than one minute to administer. Use only distilled water to dilute hydrogen peroxide. Do not use water that has been chlorinated. The drops should be diluted in six to eight ounces of water. Okay, and I'm just, now, again, sometimes I just use in a spray bottle the brown peroxide, um, which you can do. When you have completed a 23-day regimen, 
gradually decrease the doses by one drop a day until you get to the maintenance dose of three drops diluted in six to eight ounces of distilled water three times a day. The suggested protocol is based on years of experience and success stories from thousands of users. Food-grade huh. hydrogen peroxide is very inexpensive. Therefore, the maintenance dose of three drops in water three times a day will cost only one and a half cents per day. And the maximum dose of 25 drops in water three times a day will cost 12 cents per day. If you have a so how much water? Condition, you Is that like an eight-ounce glass, or how are they doing it? Stilled water. Okay. So, and you get your little eyedropper, and you drop in three drops. Right. If you have a serious condition, you may wish to try taking 25 drops three times daily for one okay. for one to three weeks. Okay. Hi- okay. Here's this. Hydrogen peroxide is not tasteless. This is exactly where this comes from. Okay, this is on, I'll be damned. I'm in some whole place. Whole place. I'm going to look. I bet that. Isn't this interesting how things work out? Oh, yeah. Wow. Live radio. Um, the, 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 the things we find out here by just doing a little bit of research on the air. You know, it's funny because I believe, like I said, I have this one-minute cure book here in front of me right now because mm-hmm. I've right. been... And that is a part of what is on page 75, which is page 75 in what I just brought up, um, mm-hmm. reading on my phone. So I believe that that is where that came from. Hmm. Okay. Well, and it's interesting yeah. that the only difference between food-grade hydrogen peroxide and medicine grade hydrogen peroxide is the concentration of the hydrogen peroxide because it's the same stuff in both containers. It's just one's at about what? 30% and the other's at 3%. So all you have to do is take your 30% and put, uh, you know, 10 times the amount of water and then it'd be at 3%. So if you have 16 ounces, you know, you get 160 ounces of water and pour it in that and you'd have the correct dilution, right? Then mm-hmm. it would go from 30% down and to 3%. It said, um, increase your cell nutrients, positive outcome from um, your gene expression with selected nutrients. And they are actually this technique, and I did not know this, is in, we were talking about the PDR earlier with liposomal, some supplements that I just found out that are in the PDR book um, that are all natural. CD, PDR references, they, it's actually in there, what I just sent you regarding hydrogen peroxide. Yeah, you got folic acid, which and is vitamin C. It. Yeah. Well, I thought ascorbic acid was. What's the difference between folic and ascorbic? From the from what I know, you know, when you're taking a vitamin C, you should be looking for a natural form of vitamin C. A lot of ascorbic acid is man-made. Okay. Well, I get uh, I I used to take vitamin C supplements. I don't know if I if I still need to or not. You can tell me. But I get so much vitamin C in strawberries, blueberries, orange juice, grapefruit juice. I have a lot of a lot of vitamin C sources. You know. So uh, mm-hmm. do you think it's do you think it's still worth taking extra vitamin C? Because my diet's full of it, avocados. I think I personally think so because your body's going to get rid of a lot of the stuff that you don't need. So if your so body gets rid of what out. you don't need, then why would you need extra? Again, it, it depends on the absorption rate. It, it depends, not all vitamin C is created equal, not any vitamin. If, if your body, your body's not going to pee out what your body isn't absorbing. So if you need X amount and right. your body is hungry for X amount, your body should be absorbing that amount if you're putting in a viable, good source of vitamin C into your body. If you're not and it's synthetic, 
then you're going to pee it out in your urine. You know, but say your body it defeats needs the purpose, amount, right? Yeah, X amount of vitamin C, and you take too much of it, your body will will get rid of rid of it. You know, yeah, vitamin C. You can't overdose on vitamin C, if I remember, but you can on vitamin A and some of the other ones. So vitamin C, you can take as much as you want. What your body doesn't need, it'll just uh, just get rid of, right? Right. Right. Linus Pauling took like ten thousand units or whatever it was of vitamin C or milligrams. I think the, the the Food and Drug Administration recommends what? A hundred? <laughs> you took like 10,000? Yeah. So what are the best sources yeah. of vitamin C? Now that we're on it. I love vitamin chest. What are the best sources of vitamin C? Well, if you're talking, I mean, there's a lot of foods that are great in vitamin C, but again, we can't consume it. So when you're looking for, I always tell people to supplement because you can't get enough of what you need. So when you're looking, you want to make sure that on the back of the bottle, there's no parentheses because if it says as absorbic acid, it's not coming uh-huh. from a food grade source of vitamin C. Oh, so when you're, that's interesting. Yeah. So, okay. So I cannot tell you, and it's embarrassing for me to say, but I cannot tell you how much hundreds, if not maybe thousands of dollars I have thrown away as I become more educated and looking at supplementation. And I only buy now highest grade of supplementation that I can find for me and my daughter now being blessed right. over the past three years, having the connections that we have, you know, I've thrown away so many things because on the back it has said as absorbic acid or as something or as something. And if it says that, it's synthetic and man-made. Right. Okay. You know, when well, because I used to have those, those acerola tablets, remember those, remember those big, because I, I can't, I can't swallow pills. I gag. I have the worst gag reflex in the world, which I found out when they shoved tubes down my throat, you know, woke up after open heart surgery and I almost, I tried to yank them out. I'm still semi-conscious yanking tubes out of my throat. I'm not good with that kind of stuff. Anyway, um, but I used to drink, the, I used to take these big acerola tablets. Vitamin C is like 500 milligrams, I think it was. But um, I don't think, I don't know if they helped or not. You know, they probably had a lot of sugar and a lot of other stuff, but I'm just wondering if you can get enough from food. And if it was ascorbic acid, if it was manufactured vitamin C as opposed to natural vitamin C, you know, you probably need less natural vitamin C than you would synthetic because the synthetic's not really doing anything for you, is it? Sounds like what you're saying. Okay. All right. So the source, so the sources I know, you know, fruit juice, citrus juice, of course that has sugar in it, but, you know, what doesn't? Um, blueberries, berries. I think even potatoes have vitamin C, but they have other problems. They're all starchy. Um, but there's a lot of foods. I think even avocados have vitamin There's a lot of foods with vitamin C in it. So I have not supplemented. And, again, I'm not, I haven't been sick since COVID. I haven't had a vitamin either. Uh-huh. Except vitamin D. That's a, I do take the vitamin D because I know that, that a lot of people aren't supplementing. That one's not getting – people aren't getting as much of that as they need. Right. Right. Huh. Okay. You got a minute. What do you want to talk about? Yep. Have well, we forgotten I mean, anything? I don't think from a health perspective, but, you know, uh, okay. um, you know, what's going on this week, I just say buckle up, buttercup. <laughs> I'll tell you when I'm on Tucker, uh, writing a bill. How's that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that's all I got. Buckle up, buttercups. And if anybody wants to reach out to me or get any more suggestions, any things, you can email me at h. 2owellnessnetwork at gmail.com, 2owellnessnetwork at gmail.com. And if you're interested at all in hearing any of our live podcasts, our shows, you can go to Rumble, 
and you can put in the Angel Warrior Network, but make sure the words all run together. There are no spaces, the Angel Warrior Network, and you can only find us on Rumble and Telegram. Sounds good. Okay. We finished the show on time today. I've never done that. <laughs> I've actually been early. I've been early a couple of times, so I've never finished on time. So this is good, and I played everything I need to play. So uh, CJ, Everybody we'll just see you next week. Awesome, blessed day. Yeah, you have a blessed day too. I'm going to listen to. Uh, I hate listening to my own interviews when it's a big guest because I was. I want to make sure I didn't say something stupid, <laughs> or, or did something horrendously wrong, or monopolized the conversation, or any of the, or talk too fast. Any of the things that I'm prone to do. Uh, so I'll make sure I didn't do that. But otherwise, I think it's okay. I think that I think we did okay, and then we'll see what happens. Uh, uh, I'm going to present these ideas to Chadwick Moore um, in an email, and uh, let's see what happens. I'll let you know, CJ. I'll let everybody know. <laughs> All right. Have a great day. Bye. You take care. Bye now. Bye-bye. So, yeah, that, that's, that was my major accomplishment. I really want to talk to Chadwick Moore. I was curious about his book and Tucker, what, you know, how he got access, how he's able to do that. And, uh, again, my, I think my big question was on journalism, you know, how we used to have old-style journalists that would actually report on stories, and there were a bunch of them. And, and Tucker seems like the last, it's not that he's, you know, doing something new and different now. He's actually doing something that was done before. He's just doing it incredibly well and would have done well even in the 70s when we had real journalists, you know, like uh, all the president's men, Watergate, uh, Woodward Bernstein. Um, I think he would have been just as, as popular there as now. But the difference now is there's, there's really nobody else doing what he's doing. And that's what I think makes it so fascinating. Tomorrow, we've got uh, Bianca Von Krieg back from uh, the West Coast. And so we'll get our progressive socialist report. That's going to be interesting. Our regular uh, Friday morning crew, we'll see who's there. Hopefully, uh, Tara D with the, uh, the Chris Santa Rosa Animal Shelter, uh, Derek Park with, um, with a financial report. Uh, and then we have uh, an hour, which um, we're going to be off. Well, well, it'll just be me. <laughs> You'll be chatting. Um, maybe I can get Mike to drop in, Mike Clinch, see if we can do a science report. And then I have Bianca Von Krieg in the last hour. And looking for more reporters, I've got a couple of hours, Thursday, at least one hour Thursday to fill. Um, Candace, uh, Cowgirl Candace is coming back. Just don't know when, but uh, sometime uh, in the next few weeks, maybe in September sometime. But she's definitely coming back. So we'll get to our, our, our horse chat, philosophy, life, travel, all the things that we've been talking about. Thank you very much for listening. This has been a very special show. I'm really happy to have done that. And I want to thank my friends that uh, brought Chadwick Moore to the show. And uh, let's see if, uh, if Tucker likes some of the ideas we're talking about. And Chad, Chadwick likes some of the ideas we're talking about to, uh, to actually write some legislation you know, on the air. We'll see what happens. All right. See you tomorrow. Same time, um, 7 a.m. Central Time, and we'll talk to you then.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.